Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Waking Up with the Prophet, where we wake up each and every weekday morning with fresh inspiration, motivation, and a little bit of music to start our day. Not sure where you're listening from. If you're on your way to work, coming home from work, already at work, from work now. Maybe you called off work today. We still want to make sure that you're starting your day off the right way, meaning with the right people, right conversation, right inspiration, right mindset, right music, all that good, right stuff. Go ahead and kick it in the top. First song of the day. All right? All right, let's go. Put more on me. 
Welcome to Waking Up with the Prophet, where we wake up each and every weekday morning with fresh inspiration, motivation, and a little bit of music. Not sure where you're listening from. If you're on your way to work, coming home from work, already at work, so we're working out. Maybe you called off work today. Maybe you don't have a job. Whatever the case may be, we still want to make sure that you're starting your day off the right way, meaning with the right people, right conversation, right inspiration, right mindset, right attitude, all that good, right stuff. Because I just believe by faith that you might have some aggravations, irritations, and frustrations throughout your day, but allowing God to cover your mind, cover your spirit, and go before you throughout your day, things tend to go a little bit better. With that being said, y'all know I love covering my day with prayer. I just love starting my day off with prayer. And sometimes I be having to start my day off with an annoying dog. But guess what? It is what it is. I'm a blessed God anyhow, because guess what? I have no reason to complain. Everything that I have, I ask for. And I'm thanking God forward with that being said let's go ahead and tap into a quick prayer y'all know how i am you know what i'm saying just in this season of my life i'm trying to do something different and there's no music in my background gonna be my little prayer music because i just believe in shifting things i don't believe in always being deep sometimes we wake up and we want to be so deep when we come to god but i believe that sometimes we can just wake up and come to god in our humble approach as, as who we are you know what i'm saying sometimes people think that we have to change so much to be connected to god but i don't think that's true so let's go ahead and tap in today all right all right, let's go. God, we thank you. Father, we thank you on this morning just for waking us up, God. We thank you for the activity of our limbs, God. We thank you for your life, your peace, God. We thank you, oh God, for the prosperity that you have given us. We thank you, oh God, that you woke us up with the activity of our limbs, with the roof of our head, shoes on our feet, clothes on our back, God. We thank you for food in our belly, and God, we thank you, oh God, that even when we lack certain things, that you protected us and you provided for us, God. You woke us up with a sober mind, and God, we thank you on today. God, before we come to you asking for anything, God, we take this moment, oh God, to honor you for everything that you've done, everything that you're doing, everything that you did not do, oh God. And God, just for you being God all by yourself. We glorify you. 
we glorify you. And Father, we take a moment to also repent of every sin, transgression, and iniquity. Father, if there's anything that we may have done to offend you or your people or any person connected to you, God, we ask that you will forgive us right now in the name of Jesus, creating us a clean heart and renewing us a righteous spirit that we may be effective in the calling that you have for us. God, continue to launch us into this world, God, with purpose and an assignment, oh God, with a future and a hope. God, continue, oh God, to bless us unmeasurably, God. Continue, oh God, to pour into us, oh God. Continue to download into us the agenda of heaven that we will know how to move throughout the uh, earth, God. Stir up the gifts that you have put in us, oh God. Allow the Holy Spirit to rise within us in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, God, because as we pray right now, we believe by faith that it is so. God, I ask that you will cover this room and every person under the sound of my voice, oh God. Allow their day to be peaceful, prosperous, and productive, oh God. Allow nothing to stop them, block them, hinder them, distract them, delay them, deny them, or discourage them, oh God, but allow them to continue to be all that you have called them to be. God, we ask that you will release everything that they may need in this moment, in this season, in this day, God, whether it, be, whether it may be healing, prosperity, financial breakthroughs, oh God, whether it be com tough conversations, God, we ask that you will continue to do a good work in their life right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, because as we pray, we believe by faith that you are not a man that you shall lie, neither are you the son of man that you shall repent. God, everything that you have spoken over our life, it shall come to pass and it shall be good. So we bless your holy name in this moment. God, as people come in this room to listen, laugh, and learn, allow them to be educated, edified, elevated, and um, God, and educated in the name of Jesus and entertained. God, allow them to be blessed by this, by this faith and by the grace that you have released in here. And it's in Jesus' name. We thank you. Amen, amen, and amen. Now I want you to just pause right there and just begin to thank God for everything that he's doing in your life. Look, little dog, don't you see me praying? Uh-uh-uh-uh. She praying too. Don't do that. Oh, that's Listen, what that is. Your puppy, that baby is your amen corner this morning, baby. Because every time you say something, she's like, Arf! Right. She you know, amen and everything. She is so funny, man. Lord have mercy. All right, Prophetess Princess, go on now, go on. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I pray that you guys are starting your day off the right way. I pray that you guys are starting your day off fantastic because that's what I'm doing with this with this loud dog who just want to play and, and terrorize me today. Like, Lord, have mercy. Go sit down somewhere. Did you eat yet? You, okay, she ain't eat yet. Let me go uh, throw her some food in this bowl. Did you feed her? You right. Maybe she ate it this morning. I did take her out for a walk and I gave her some water, but I don't know if I fed her all the way. Let me go feed her real quick. Let me cut to this song break. And put I'm her calling the people. That's it. I'm calling the people. I'm 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 tired. I'm calling the people. Help is coming, Nisha. Help is coming. <laughs> Look, let me cut to this song break and I'll be right, right back. All right. <laughs> My mom. How many save and sink the fat folk we got in the building? How many say you've been sanctified? Come on, just lift up your hands, everybody. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. All the saved folks, just give a scream right where you are. Just shout. Scream. Just lift your hands, everybody. Lift your hands, 
Good morning. Uh Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Waking Up with the Prophet, where we wake up each and every weekday morning with fresh inspiration, motivation, and a little bit of music to start our day. Not sure where you're listening from. If you're on your way to work, coming home from work, already at work, someone working out, maybe you called off work today, maybe you don't got a job, whatever the case may be, we still want to make sure that you're waking up inspired, motivated, educated, encouraged, and all that other good stuff. With that being said, it's time for the scripture of the day. I don't know about y'all, but I like that song. I kind of like the old school version when they kind of sing it and slow it down. But I kind of like how he remixed that, still made it a little gospel, but still, you know what I'm saying, kind of, you know, played on it a little bit. Because I, I like the old version. It's like, Saved by his power divine. When they used to bust out in the old Pentecostal church with that song, oh, yeah, yeah, they used to be that fire. But now, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's, it's still here. I like it. I like it. But today's scripture of the day comes from Psalms 25. Psalms 25, starting at the 14th verse, and I'm going to read to the 15th. Psalms 25, starting from the 14th to the 15th, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, brought to you by BibleGateway.com, and it reads, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. I'm going to stop right there and read it one more time. It says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. All right, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there, and I give you all my dissertation every, I mean, my, my disclaimer every morning, in addition to me giving my little dissertation, you know what I'm saying? And I tell you all what, what I'm not, but I'm going to tell you what I am today. I'm going to tell you that I am God's generational prophet, a call to speak a word. Therefore, this word on today is that the secrets of the Lord, re, uh, what's the word I want to use? The secrets of the Lord re, uh, are, are with those who fear him. Basically, what the, what the scripture says, there's nothing that you should should not uh, 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 not necessarily should not know, but there are secrets that God has for you as you fear him, as you continue to walk in his covenant, as you continue to walk with him, there's some things that God is getting ready to show you. Even as a prophet, I try to remain on some of the things or remain quiet on some of the things that God shows me because sometimes they can be deep. They can be secretive. They can be the mysteries of the kingdom, but it's our job to pray and to see and walk in covenant with God. There's some things that, you know, <laughs> there's some things that in the scripture, it really pulls 
pulls out, but you have to read the whole chapter. But what's interesting about this is at the very end, it says, for the Lord shall pluck my feet out of the net. And I don't know what situation that you're in that makes you call, that makes you feel stuck, that makes you feel like you may be trapped by a net. But the great thing about this scripture is that if we continue to remain in him, if we continue to fear him, if we walk in covenant with him and keep our eyes fixed on the Lord, guess what? He's able to pluck us out of any situation. He's able to reveal reveal all things to us so we can always have a way of escape. I know one scripture says that the Lord will always provide a way of escape. For me, those are in the strategies and the secrets and the mystery that he downloads into me. Why? Because I fear him and I fear him and I'm walking in covenant with him on today. So I want to encourage you as the generational prophet from someone who's able to speak to old and young that this is your season to walk in covenant with God so you can receive the mysteries of God that will cause your feet to be plucked out of every situation, every circumstances, and everything that you felt has held you bound. Is that all right? Is that all right? I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there because like I said, I can shout on the plucking of the net part. That's that's my that's my shout right there because when I realize that God is going to pluck me out of some things, God is going to free me from some things that made me feel like I was tangled up, that made me feel like I was stuck, oh, I get to shout right there because it's only in the mysteries of God that I find access to those ways of escape because I ain't going to count. When you in flesh... You don't understand nothing. You don't see no way of escape. You don't see nothing. You don't understand how God going to pluck you out the net. You feel like a fish getting ready to drown. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, a fish can't drown. You know what I mean. You feel like a fish out of water. <laughs> you know what I mean? You feel like a fish out of water. But when you stay connected to God, when you stay connected to his covenant, and you are able to position yourself to hear his secrets, to hear his voice, guess what? You'll never be defeated. All right. All right. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to go ahead and cut to my next song because the time now is 8.56 on the dot, which means it's time for us to go ahead and check in. It's time for us to go ahead and check in because I know once 9 o'clock hit, everybody from Bartholomew and we'll never hear music again. And I definitely got some great conversation that I definitely want to talk about today um, as it relates to clergy, as it relates to church and whatnot, because I think that there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to clergy. And I think, you know, this room is one of those type of rooms that we always like to clear the air. We always like to be honest and transparent. So I definitely want to address some of those misconceptions within clergy and whatnot. And I also want to, you know, address, like, y'all know, I, I love seeing the internet and whatnot. And there was a video I seen recently where a pastor was getting voted out the church. And I want to talk about that because I don't necessarily think that's right, but I kind of understand. But but my thing is, if I, if I ain't want the pastor there, when I just leave the church? I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. Let me go ahead and cut to this next song really quickly. And then we're coming right, right back. All right. All right, back. No, we're not questioning the ears right now. I lift my hands to Sing your song. Um. 
That's it. That's all I was gonna play. That's it. That's it. I just wanted to hear that part. Uh uh. Don't go to the next one. I just wanted to hear that part. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. That was total praise by the Sunday Service Choir. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to hear that little part because that really just blessed my life. Shameless plug, too. Y'all know Trey Wright, Reverend Trey Wright, who be on here? Man, Trey got a video of him singing total praise a couple years ago. I think it was like 2014. And I had watched it yesterday or the other day. That's probably why this is on my playlist today. And when I tell you, that boy has sung that song. Man, that boy has sung. I'm going to have to tag y'all in. Y'all know I be Facebook stalking people. So, yeah, I have. I've seen the video. I said, oh, that boy song that song. But yeah, I wish I could sing like that. But I'm gonna get the give me a couple years. Give me, give me no, actually give me a couple of months. By April of next year, by time to wake up with the profit come. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my own solo. And I'm profit, gonna do profit, profit. I can't do this selection. Profit, I love you. <laughs> Mama Lynn said, don't even do it. It's okay. It's okay, Mama Lynn. It's okay. I'm going to practice. I'm going to practice. I'm going to try to sing with a choir or something. <laughs> we all sound We all sound good when we sing together. <laughs> but no, good morning, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for us to go ahead and check in. The time now is 9.01. It's 9.01 on the dot, which means it's time for us to go ahead and check in. And y'all know how we check in here on Waking Up With The Prophet. We check in with our three daily questions. What's the weather? What's for breakfast? And you know how you start your morning off on a scale of one to 10. You know what I'm saying? How you feeling? If you feeling like you on a one, you know what I'm saying? Tell us you on a one because by the end of the show, I hope that you on a, you know what I'm saying? A good three or four. If you on a five, praise God because that's where I am right now. But at the end of the day, I'm probably going to end up on a 10 just because I believe God is blessing and in the season of blessing. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, do me a favor, pull to refresh, see where you guys are on the stage. If you haven't already, go ahead and ping some people in the room. Go ahead and share the room and let's get this show crack a -lacking. Amen? Amen. With that being said, Prophet, it's on you. Do -do 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 -do. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm feeling amazing. Um, I'm I'm on a I'm on a five ten. I'm on a five ten. I ain't gonna cap. In the back of my mind, I'm worried about some some things, only because I don't want to fail. I ain't gonna cap. I don't want to fail. That ain't causing me to like be fearful and not do what God is calling me to do. But at the same time, I still worry. And I still, you know what I'm saying, be having some doubts and be like, God, is this really what you want me to do? You sure? But, all right, I'm going to do it. So right now, I'm like at a 4.9, just trying to get to a space where I continue to do all that God is calling me to do. Because he's still blessing me no matter what. Um, I thank God that he is still blessing me. Um, yeah, that's about it. As far as breakfast, there is no breakfast right now. Y'all know I don't start eating until y'all start talking. So I might go down there and fix me a bowl of oatmeal or something. Once we get to checking in and y'all start talking. As far as the weather, it's uh, 47 degrees again. Yeah, it's 47 degrees with a high of 66. So y'all know I had to turn my heat on this morning. Well, I actually had it left on from last night. But uh, yeah, I got to learn how to work that heat right. Because I get too hot at night sometimes. Like, I, I really get too hot at night. But it is what it is. Um, What else? I think that's about it for me today. Um, I'm really just believing God, trusting God. Um, I got to go up to the church so I can do some hours, go ahead and send off some invoices. 
Um, and then I have a training tonight for one of the programs that I work for because everybody knows I'm a brand ambassador and a model. So I work for several different brands, several different companies. Um, and one of the companies that I work for, we have a training on tonight. So, yeah, I'm just going ahead and prepare myself for that. I'm excited about what God really wants to do in my life. And I'm just in a place where I'm trying to seek him a little further because, like I said, I'm a young man and... I just don't want to make mess up. I don't want to make mistakes. I don't like people talking about me. I don't like me. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't, I just don't. So, but part of in, in me not resisting to do it, I'm still going at it. You know what I'm saying? With fear and awe, I'm still going to do what God's called me to do. So yeah, that's how I'm feeling this morning. Um, yeah, pull to refresh to where you guys are on the stage. You know what I'm saying? Ping some people in the room. Go ahead and share the room and we're going to get this thing started. Starting with, Ebony, it's on you. Hey, good morning, y'all. Sorry for the noise in the background. Your girl is up being ultra productive. Uh, on a scale of one to five, I am a five today. Um, been up since about 5.45. Got the girl up. She was on a five this morning, which is probably why I'm on a five. Because normally I got to fight a bribe, a, a body slam, a, put her in a headlock, a promise of snacks, a whole bunch of stuff just to get out the bed. Uh, well, today the girl got out of the bed with Jesus joy, and it made my life a whole lot easier. <laughs> so that's that. The boy is still asleep. I'm up washing dishes. I got clothes um, in the washer. I got food in the crock pot. Just feeling ultra productive. Um, my big major project that I put in, um, it was in, well, it was due Sunday at midnight. I didn't put it in until yesterday. I took some liberty. Uh, I never turn in late work, but I did yesterday. 26 page powerpoint presentation with speaker notes um that thing wore me out it wore me dead and so um i feel relieved to have that off of my back this is my last final week of this term before i start a new term and so i'm feeling good um feeling really good about that uh my husband does bible study tomorrow so i'm helping him with some scripture prep so i'll do that once i'm done with these dishes uh, breakfast is probably just gonna be a protein shake. Not really feeling like nothing heavy this morning. Oh, I did buy some pop tarts. Maybe I'll eat a pop tart and a protein shake, and that's probably gonna be it. Uh, for breakfast, I got my green tea concentrate. Y'all, if you're looking for good natural energy, you need to try green tea concentrate. More specifically, Herbalife's green tea concentrate. It comes in like mango, raspberry, lemon. It tastes just like tea. You can add sugar to it, honey to it, whatever. You can put it in cold water, hot water. I like it in hot water because it hits faster. Um, but it is like the best sustainable energy. That thing is like a good eight, nine hours of sustainable energy. You don't crash like coffee. I love the taste of coffee, but the energy from coffee is not healthy. I love Pepsi, um, but of course, full of sugar, not healthy. I feel guilt-free when I do this green tea concentrate. So that's just a shameless plug for anybody who's looking for a good source of energy. Um, that's the way. Uh, my husband and I both live by it. I got my pasta hooked on it. Um, it's really, really good. So let's see. It is 52 degrees. It'll be 67 here in the DMV. Um, really excited. My anniversary's on Friday. Every day I've been um, popping up to give my husband a gift or an experience and tonight we are going to an escape room so uh, we love escape rooms. that is one of our favorite date like situations and so we're going to an escape room tonight what he does not know is that it is squid games themed and so okay, i know cool. he's gonna love that 
um and we're gonna have a real good time so um that's about it for me that's about it for my day um and look forward to seeing whatever this conversation may be about so go ahead and pass the mic awesome thank you so much ebony thank you so much listen and we're not we're gonna be too deep today because i got other stuff to do and normally if i'm trying to actively listen and multitask i can't always do that and i can't always just depend on y'all to hold a conversation so i'm gonna try to do both today but today we're just gonna try to keep it simple like i said continue continuing clergy week and talking about like i said some of the misconceptions of of clergy of ministry like how most people think that everybody out here doing ministries out here to steal money when truth is that ain't true. That's a misconception of clergy and preachers that I think I really wish a lot of people would debunk and stop stop pushing the narrative of that. Like I know even preachers that push that narrative of it. And it's like, bro, y'all dividing y'all own kingdom and people. You know what I'm saying? Like we be discouraging people to give because they're giving to somebody else. When truth is, as long as they blessing the kingdom, they blessing the kingdom. Well, at least that's what I thought. I don't know. But Essence, I'm throwing it over to you. Do-do-do-do. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is, um, um, it is 48 degrees, actually. Um, I'm looking outside my window, and it's a little dreary outside. Um, and so, yeah, so today I feel good. Tomorrow is my baby's birthday. And so, um, I am trying to get my mind and life together in conjunction with my last day being with my job tomorrow. So, I am excited about that. Um, I am probably at a four and I'm only at a four because I'm still a little trying to wake up just a little bit as y'all can hear my voice. Um, and so, so yeah, so, um, it is 40 degrees uh, for breakfast. I don't know what I'm having. Um, I know whatever I'm having is going to be what's in my refrigerator. Amen. Somebody. Um, and yeah, so that's all I got. So just need to just wanted to check in. I, I'll be in and out today, but I'll be here about the with this conversation um, and whatnot. So, yep, yep, yep. Awesome. Thank you so much, Essence. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Even though you be at work sometimes, you just be in here hanging out with us listening. And truth is, that's what I miss about Clubhouse sometimes, just being able to come into some rooms and just sit and listen. Even though I'm on the stage sometimes, I don't even be want to talk. Sometimes I just be want to come in and listen and see what everybody else is saying. Now, the preachy rooms, it, it be getting too preachy to me. I ain't, I ain't coming here to go to church, but I definitely get it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Mama Lynn, I'm throwing it over to you. Go ahead and check in for us this morning. How you feeling? Do -do -do -do. Mama Lynn, are you there? Okay, Mama Lynn, I'm assuming you you busy right now. I'm assuming you busy, and I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to come back to you. Listen, quick question. Quick question, because it's still circulating in the news and the media, and I had seen another interview about it, and it's kind of flows into our news and hot topic segment and whatnot, but it is what it is, because um, I really, man, I ain't just going with the flow today. Um, but I want to know, is divorce still is a sin? Like, y'all tell me, from, from y'all perspective, biblically and not biblically, whatever, is divorce a sin? Because, of course, y'all know last week um, on Thursday, and shout out to um, Our Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, and all that other stuff, but allow us to upload all our podcast episodes and still have them on there, even though Clubhouse deleted three plays and stuff like that. But shout out to all those episodes being available. But, yeah, last week on Thursday, we talked about being divorced and being separated and all that other good stuff. And 
I don't know if I asked this question or if it got lost in the sauce or what, but I want to know, is divorce a sin? No, divorce is not a sin. Um, we should avoid it by, by all means. We don't get married to get divorced. We make vows to God that we are going to stick in there. Um, but there are situations and circumstances, um, and they are individual. What someone can take, someone else cannot. What someone, you know, somebody's hard stop is, you know, something that somebody else has grace for. However, um, we should do our best to avoid it by all costs. Uh, and we do that by being careful about who we marry in the first place, about seeking God, about who we marry in the first place. But God uses divorce. Divorce is a death. It is a death of a covenant. It's a death of the life that you have lived together. It's a transition. Um, however, God can use divorce to birth something beautiful. Um, I've seen some people who are married for, gosh, over 20 years um, be married and you know, get divorced and start a new life. And, you know, they were able to live a beautiful life. So very different uh, from the one they had lived for some, you know, for some time. So no, divorce is not a sin. Um, however, I do believe that God frowns upon it, but he also frowns upon not necessarily marrying the right people. Now that opens a whole nother basket. Um, and I hope I'm not stealing your next question, but it, it kind of leads me to wonder, you know, can you marry the right person and still end up divorced and mm. for me that's yes um because yeah, people change life changes people i know couples who were madly in love lost a child and it, that grief just killed the marriage um you know husband or wife gained weight or lost weight or whatever it changed them um, you know, their perspective and, you know, the marriage suffered. So things change, people change. We do our best to stay together for sure. I think not giving it a shot, not honoring the covenant with God is the sin. But as long as you have honored your covenant, you have done right by your spouse, you have done, um, you know, what God has called you to do. You have, you know, long suffered, um, you know, and if it if it ends, God understands there's situations of abuse, extreme unrepentant um, infidelity, which is my hard stop. Um, you know, th there's so many factors that can play into that. But I believe as long as you have honored your covenant, um, you have prayed for your spouse, you have uplifted your spouse, you've done all you can do. And if it still ends, then, you know, there's another life awaiting you. But no. I don't believe that it is a sin. My personal belief. So, and I can agree with you. I can agree with you because, of course, there are parts when Jesus uh, talked about talked about it. But wasn't it like in the Old Testament or something where they said divorce was like adultery, which made it to a lot of people sin? Uh, adultery, adultery is a sin. Divorce is not adultery. No. Okay, because I'm trying to find a where somebody said that divorce was um, a sin because, you know, and I'm, I still don't understand the grounds of it because I remember in the Bible, Jesus said, okay, of course, certain things are permittable under the, you know, the marriage covenant, but at the same time, like, certain things was considered, like, I guess, adultery, which is I think you're referencing, I think you're, you're trying, to trying to reference to the, um, 
there there is there is a clause and it is leaving me right now that talks about um the i guess the acceptable terms of divorce mm-hmm. um wait a minute shoot Lord, bring it back to me i was literally talking about this the other the week. only acceptable um, uh the only acceptable term for divorce was adultery there you go that, that, there you that go. was, the, was that something was the, else yeah that was the only acceptable term for divorce and when I, I believe it was paul that even said that um so it, it's stated in scripture that even when you get a divorce you're supposed to remain single right because that was adultery right yeah because okay if you, there you go. because you're still quote unquote spiritually married to that individual and if you go and marry somebody else you're committing adultery that was the that was the uh the Pauline text. but is that true though um, is that technically true and it would that be considered mm-hmm. sin now because they didn't got remarried no no, no child i'm not remarried i married divorced and got married again child and god is using me more now than ever before so in fact because i remember <laughs> so, back in the day they used to tell bishops <laughs> like if the bishop got divorced they used to tell the bishop he couldn't get married again right pastor jerry yeah because they take the phrase of the bishop being married you can he can only be the husband of one wife but but understand this that text was speaking of um polygamy you could only have one wife at a time and not have two and three other wives with with the same wife that you have because you know you know in those days of course you could marry more than one woman if you had the, right because they used to marry um, their brother sister <laughs> they, they they had to because of yeah. the, because of the tribe that they were in they had to keep you know that uh that legacy continuing and if that husband died they gave that wife to the brother and uh, as a matter of fact look at uh, look at joseph um he had two wives Rachel and Leah, because he was deceived yeah, into yeah. look at Solomon. He had a thousand those concubines. Right. Concub, concubines were a lower tier of wives. If you look at that word concubine. Um, he he had a thousand wives, um, but those concubines were considered on a lower tier uh, of having a wife. And some some even now, even in the in the Muslim faith. If you have um, the money, you can have more than one wife. But uh, according to that scripture, you, you know, husband of one wife, meaning, you know, one wife at a time. That's what that meant. But even Jesus came on the scene and said, you know what? Even if you look on a woman (laughs) and desire her in your heart, you know, that's considered adultery. So, yeah. See, that was so, so ebony that was the, the the scripture i believe he was he was looking for so kind of going back and i don't want to stay on it too long but going back to last week when we were talking about the will and jetty thing would it be would it be appropriate for him to leave her they might as well they they're they're you know, I, I guess, you know, I try to mind my business in other people's marriages, but what I don't understand is living in an open marriage. I don't believe in open marriage. Either you're together or you're not. And if you desire other people, then just go home and divorce, okay? Like, why are y'all dragging other people in this marriage type of thing? Um, I don't believe in that. Yeah. I don't believe in bringing other people into your marital bed. 
um, which means sleeping with other people uh, while you are married, whether it's you and your spouse, whether it's consented or not. I think all of those things are just very dangerous territory. And so, you know, my comment from the beginning has been, both of y'all are just trauma bonding. Just let it go. Mm. Y'all already, you know, you're sleeping with different people, you're doing different things, just let it go. So you think it'd be easier for them to... You think it'll be easy for them to actually, and it'll be acceptable for them to actually get a divorce and actually. Absolutely, the kids are grown. You're not; they're not doing this for no kids. Some kids is grown. This is them trauma bonding. This is them not wanting to accept, and she even said it, not wanting to um, accept the fact that, you know, that time has come and gone since 2016. It's 2023. And they got married in 1997. Yeah, so you know your marriage was was done, and now y'all just live in separate lives, in the same compound and not in the same room or nothing. You y'all are roommates. Your roommates on a compound, basically. You're not raising your kids together because that's done. The kids are grown, all of them. Um, his older son and the the two they have together. So what are y'all doing? You can remain really good friends after a divorce. And still going about your way. But instead, you'd rather drag your husband through a whole bunch of embarrassment through your, what she call it, entanglement. Um, and all this other, you know, stuff that she's running her mouth about. I don't get it. Now, I, I have come to some information this week, though, that when he put his book out, he was very candid um, about being with other women and all of that during the marriage. He didn't date it to say if it was after, you know, their quote unquote split. And he never actually said that they split um, or that they started living separate lives in, in 2016. Um, but I, I just, I don't understand that. I would never want to shame him. And then for her to say she was shocked when Will said to Chris Rock that she was his wife. The fact that she was shocked by that and they're not divorced is just crazy to me. So that means y'all don't even understand the terms of your own situation, which just makes y'all crazy to me. I don't understand what they're doing. Um, I don't understand what they're doing. That I'll just leave it there. I don't get it. But I think, so this is where I'm kind of confused at though, because I think Jada, and, and this is probably from the clip I, I just seen recently this morning, and she was talking about healing after the relationship and talked about how at one point when they were separated, they were talking about divorce, but they never got one. And now it's like they're just, like you said, almost just like co-mingling and whatnot. But is that still proper grounds to get a divorce? Like, because, I mean, I was always taught that, you know, you don't marry for, what was y'all say? You don't marry for love. So even when the love is gone, you would expect them to stay married, right? <laughs> no, love should remain. Being in love um, is something that you have to work at. Okay. Um, that takes work. Um, but the love should be that you should still love the person. And they still clearly love each other. They're just not in love with one another. Um, but they've been in love with other people, which is why you just need to go home. Um, you know, at this point, y'all have committed adultery on one another acceptably. Just gone. All the, the grounds for divorce are there. Clearly, y'all weren't happy together. Like, y'all just gone. And of course, they're not living a biblical life. So the things that we use as standards, they're not using the standards. It's it's whatever goes with them. They got a whole nother. They living by something completely different. I can understand that. I mean. 
But that's what I'm thinking of. That's the the dynamic of that household and it works for them. I mean, I wouldn't want them to get a divorce either, to be honest. I mean, I would think Will will probably want to get a divorce. Well, I would would think he would want to get a divorce. I mean, being a man in that standpoint. But at the same time, it's kind of like somebody said the other day, it may be just cheaper to keep her. But I'm trying to make sure that would be appropriate grounds to even get a divorce. Oh, my wife out here cheating. I mean, yeah, unless she cheated and we know she cheated. I mean, yeah, that'd be the appropriate way. But if they both, like you said, doing their own thing, hey, happy spouse, happy house. <laughs> like, happy house, happy spouse. I mean, I don't know if there's... Okay, let me ask it like this. How much, or not even how much, and I can't even ask this question because I know it probably looks different in every relationship, but once a marriage is damaged... Is there always room for healing? Like, I mean, I can I can see every marriage being different. You know what I'm saying? So for some, it could be a yes. For some, it could be a no. But like what, for every individual in here, what would be the determining factor of if you're healing after a marriage or not? Is it going to be that you still love that person? Is it going to be the kids? Like what would what would be a determining factor if a relationship is worth saving and healing, especially someone that you said you married and they didn't probably hurt you. You know what I'm saying? I think you both have. I think it's worth saving when you both want to save it. Like mm. it takes it takes intention. Um, it can't be one person wanting to save it. I mean, that's only gonna last but for so long. If yeah. that other person doesn't come into wanting to fight for it then you're in there by yourself. Um, you know, and they've they they're they're already gone in their mind. But if you both will it, it doesn't matter what you've done to each other, what has happened, if you both are wanting to save it, if you both, you know, wanna do the work, you're willing to do the work, you're committed to doing the work, um, then do the work to try to save it. I've seen couples both committed to try to save it and even after they did their work, the damage was just too great. They just yeah. couldn't forgive each other and move on i've also seen it where one person was fighting harder than the other person but that person's fight not only made the other person want to fight for it it also brought them into salvation um so i've seen that as well um a a real example of you know the saved wife sanctified husband i've seen that happening yeah and nobody says Um, that anymore that was a scripture that we used to always quote when we seen somebody going through a marriage issue back in the day they used to say well the sanctified wife or the saved wife saved the unbelieving husband and the unbelieving husband saved the wife because that was scripture but we don't even preach that no more (laughs) i've heard it plenty um because there's a lot of marriages there's more marriages i think of Mm -hmm. you know people who you know, one is in the church and one is not. People, yeah. You know, people tired of the church game style. People tired of church dating. People, yeah. excuse my language, they have, they have hold around the church long enough. Now they out, <laughs> they outside the church. Facts. Looking for spouse, looking for wife and husband and whatever. Some of them say, some of them not. And so I think there's a lot more of that happening now. Um, there's a lot more unequally yoked marriages. And, and let me clear that up. When I say unequally yoked, I'm not referring to one who goes to church and one doesn't, because I know some people whose relationship with God is very much intact, more so than the people who open the door to the church. So it's not about going to church. When I say that, I'm talking about having a personal relationship uh, with Jesus Christ, professing salvation, I'm in sanctification and the like. 
um, there's just something there that has caused them to not want to gather uh, as often as their spouse. Um, gather, you know, with, with believers as often as their spouse. I have seen those marriages. Some of them are the strongest. Um, I was actually, my husband and I were actually counseled um, by a couple where the husband was not in church for 20 some years of their marriage. Uh, he told her, go on. He pushed her. If the church had a fundraiser, he'd give. If the church needed something fixed, he was a handyman. He would go fix the church, but he just would not. He, he just would not um, because of some, some trauma that he had from church. Um, something happened at the church and it drew him in. Um, it drew him to come. And he was able to hear that word. Um, Holy Spirit, you know, pricked his heart and he, you know, ended up becoming a deacon. Um, you know, at the church or whatever, a deacon and then eventually an elder by the time that I met him. Um, but, you know, it's just not, they're not, it's not always going to be the same. So some people are fishing outside of the church. Um, some people are hunting outside of the church um, to each their own. Who will be to say that's right or wrong? Um, just don't be unequally yoked is, I guess, all I would say to that. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting perspective too, because there are angle cap, and we probably gonna have an uh, episode about that, uh, because I think there are so many people who are finding love outside of the church, and then you know, I would say have a problem bringing it into the church, but sometimes there can be those issues of, hey, I go to this church, you go to that church, how are we gonna make this thing work? You know what I'm saying? Or even just having two different spiritualities all in one because you know like you just said there are some people who who are diehard believers in their church they man of god they pastor but then there are other people who yeah i believe in god but i ain't finna go to church or i ain't finna give my money to that pastor and stuff like that you know what i'm saying it, because of the hurt the misconceptions of ministry and all that other stuff so i think that's a big big thing that a lot of people are dealing with in this society and i think the whole unequally yoked thing is something that you know we always thought of as oh well they saved and you're not saved or stuff like that or they got money you don't got money when truth is like you said those unequally yoked people can build some kind of they can build some good relationships and some of them not all of them because I don't believe, like, some people do be really, 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 really unequally yoked. But then some people, just because they don't have all the same similarities, we deem that as unequally yoked when I think that that's another misconception that we have. But no, real quick, before we hop into, you know, more of the misconceptions of of, of ministry and clergy and whatnot, Pastor Jerry, there's something that's been um, on my heart and my spirit lately, and it's this war in Israel. I don't know why, but God, I don't know. I think God is showing us something. And I want to understand from a, from a more mature prophet of what God is saying to you concerning this thing. Because I hear a lot of preachers even addressing it from the pulpit that God is doing something through this war. And I even seen on the news where Biden is supposed to be making a trip over there to um, Israel, something like that. So is God specifically saying something to you concerning this war? Hold on just one second. Hold on just one second. Okay, you're good. You're good. Samuel's plug, everybody. Make sure that you're also sharing the room, pinging the room. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to Waking Up With The Prophet on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. You can even ask your Amazon Alexa. Hey, Amazon, or hey, Alexa, stream Waking Up With The Prophet. And she'll play the latest episode for you each and every day, all right? 
All right, bet, bet, bet. With that being said, I'm finna throw it over past here because I really want to hear about this war in Israel. And I hear so many preachers mentioning about it, so many preachers, even um some of the pastors that, you know, I work with touched on it briefly Sunday and was talking about how God is doing something in the earth and that America has to be prepared for what this war is going to mean to us and how it's going to affect us. And me being someone who tries to stay... um tries to stay abreast and in tune with the voice of God as well as the news and the earth. I'm trying to correlate the two. I'm trying to bring the two into alignment of what God is really saying and what God is doing and how this war will affect us because oftentimes we see war other places and we tend not to care. You know what I'm saying? We see war and we see stuff going on in other places and we tend to just shun it off because it's not happening to America. Well, truth is, I believe that this is one of those wars that is going to actually affect America, especially with Biden even going overseas, you know, to I guess provide aid and show some diplomatic support, whatever he doing. I just I don't, I don't, Th- this is really this is really um how could I say this properly? Uh, this we're living in Exodus chapter one. Mm-hmm. Exodus chapter one talks about there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Mm-hmm. And that Pharaoh said, um, let's put taskmasters over them because they are a mighty nation. Mm. And because they are a mighty nation, if we go to war, read it, it's it's an excellent, because they are so strong and because they are so mighty, they side with our enemies. So let's put taskmasters over them. But watch this. Here's the encouraging part. The more they afflicted them, the more they grew. Watch this. America needs to see the signs. Mm-hmm. Because so goes Israel, so goes the world. Yep. I've heard Israel, that. Israel was in captivity for 400 years. What happened? We are now in, we were enslaved for four hundred years. You got to watch the parallel. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, Psalm one twenty two says, "Pray for the peace of Jerusalem; they shall prosper that love thee." I believe that there is going to be a coalition between America and Israel because there's always been, and we we we've got to stand with Israel, just like. Oh, oh, we went out. Where you at? Was it just me and his phone cut out? No, he cut out. We can't hear him. Pastor Jerry, come back. Your phone cut out. Can you hear me? There you go. There's going to be economic flip. Something is going to happen to our economic system. It's going to be like a like a total flip, a total reset. Um, so the more they afflicted them in Exodus 1, look at the afflictions that are happening in the United States. Afflictions, uh, putting um, different things in our foods, that's an affliction. COVID, affliction. Uh, price gouging, affliction. 
This is a chance, and now to try to uh, dominate our race, mm. to dominate our race, and to subdue us, and to cause us to go back into a state. Those are. You, Oh, you were not again. You were not again, Pastor Jerry. You were not again. Last thing I heard you say was this is an attempt to subdue our race. Pastor Jerry, you there? Okay, I'm assuming he got a phone call or something. Mama Lynn, I seen you had raised your hand. Did you want to yeah, um, ask a question or something? Uh, I want to check in with right quick good morning good morning good morning it's been super busy at the office so uh, uh i've been actually working it is 54 degrees here with a high of maybe 60 <laughs> at the most uh breakfast is coffee um i'm on a five because all i kept saying today Lord, I thank you because I love you. And you love me first, even in my dirty mess. So, uh, yeah, I'm on the fire. But from my understanding, uh, Biden uh, told the troops to get ready. Uh, he also is going over there to talk to Israel. Because uh, something's going on. So, uh, I've just been praying and saying, Lord, just cover us all. Because this mess is spreading into the United States. They're attacking, um, uh, they didn't kill kids over here in the United States. So they're coming over here and attacking people that's from Israel. So, you know, this is getting deep. So um, we all need to be on our P's and Q's, as they always say. Stay maintained in prayer. Prayer is important. Uh, as they say, pray without ceasing. Um, that means nonstop, all day long, 24-7. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to leave it right there because I want to hear what Pastor Jerry got to say because I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I definitely yeah, want to. I, I want him to finish to know, too. <laughs> get a better, I need to get a better understanding of this. Because the way they they went over there and did Israel, it just blew my mind. Literally, you know, the children, the parents. I mean, they went over there and they were. I, I, I don't want to say evil, but the way it came across, it was evil. So, um, Pastor Jerry, please come back and finish in enlightening us. Well, if if you want to if you want to get to America, you got to get to the to the country that stands with America or stands by America. Oh. You, you got to understand. Just like just like uh, let's just take a prophet. Just take you. If the enemy knows. You can't get to you one way. The best way he can get to you is to get to you through somebody you love. Yeah. And you yeah. have an and you have an allegiance to. Yeah. I'm right. telling you, I'm telling you, this is 
to try to get a war in America. And if we partner, come on, let's look at it. You know, it started because I believe with my whole heart that this is political. Yeah. This is political. Do I think Donald Trump has something to do with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. He doesn't like Biden and he wants to get back into the seat of the president. And don't be surprised if you see his name on the ballot. He wants he wants trouble to start so he can say he was Captain Save the Day. <laughs> I'm, tell, I'm, I'm telling you, he wants trouble so he can say this is I'm cap uh, under this administration under Biden. He calls think he was very very bad, very bad. But I came in and I saved the day. That's what he wants. To say. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what he wants to say. Yeah, and 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 we got to be careful because, and and I, and I say this, and I'm going to end because I got to get some tea. Uh, um, oh God, I just lost my thought. Oh yeah, somebody came to me, Prophet uh, Mama Lynn, and said, "Will you join?" Uh, two things. He, they said, "Will you join my our prayer group for Israel?" I said, "No, no, I will not." Why not? Why not? Why not, Prophet? I said, y'all niggas don't even have local prayer. I'm weak. <laughs> y'all, y'all don't even have local prayer. You don't even come to your local prayer service. So how are you going to pray for a nation and you don't even pray for your city? Facts. That makes sense. Lose me on that. Let's be honest. Yeah, Let's be right. totally honest. Stop telling me you're going to come together. Let's stand for Israel. Let's stand for Ukraine. Do you do you even come to your local prayer service? So if you're trying to pray and pray to God for something on Nash, first of all, you're out of your jurisdiction. Yeah, that's the international. In our church, where we are in, in in Florida, we pray for every continent and every city, every state, every county in our area. Every morning, every morning. 5 to 7 a.m. every morning. So I believe that there are people, am I against corporate prayer? No. But I believe this. Don't don't start praying for nations and countries and cities until you until you pray for your community first. Start there. You're right. Start there. Don't don't invite me. Lastly, I have a very good friend of mine. Um we became friends. He was my neighbor. In Jersey, we became very good friends, very, very, very close friends. And uh, he said to me that uh, there was somebody because I was I went to Jersey this past weekend uh, to preach. And he said to me, uh, be careful because somebody in um, somebody Israeli in New York just got, you know, beat up and pounced on, blah, 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 blah. And so he said to me. Uh, well, if, if if you can't, don't wear anything with a Star David on it. I said, you must have lost your mind. <laughs> uh, you know, I, he said, I know you ain't going to do it. And I said, you know, and you're absolutely right. Uh, listen, I, I, I feel like weeping right now because why would I believe in something that I'm not willing to die for? That's good, yeah. If, if you mean to tell me, that's like that's like saying, oh, you don't, don't bring your Bible because they're killing people with Bibles. Are you crazy? I'm going to wear my Star David because I'm Jewish. 
And if they bother me, hallelujah. If I die because I'm believing in God and they shoot me and they kill me and they assassinate me, that's my job well done. I'm standing on what I kill me because I'm going to stand on what I believe. No, I'm not hiding my star. Matter of fact, I, I wore the biggest chain I could find. And I <laughs> yes, I'm a target. Yes, I'm a target. Do you believe in Jesus? Absolutely. Pow, I'm going to see Jesus. Well, no Why preach this gospel and we're not willing to die for it? That's good. Now, I, I, close, I close on that. Mega love. Last question right before you go, Pastor Jerry, because you just mentioned it. And that's what was my uh, was my um, thought process on this war, that it was an attack on the Jewish people. So is that true? Is it just the Jewish people that this war is an attack on? First of all, you got to understand the time we're living in. What's the time we're living in? Let me, let, me just, let me just say this to you. This is not only the finest hour of the church, but Ebony, catch this. This is the hour of the black race, period. Mm. If you want, if, if you want, if you want to, if you want to get on God's nerves, if you really want to pluck God's nerves, next mess with his people. Oh, you messing with my people? Okay, I got something for you. Yeah. It's not just an attack on Jewish people, but it is an attack on us, period, to enslave us again. But it's not going to work. It's not going to work. That's good. That's good. I, I didn't know I didn't know all of this. I just and that's the, that's why I always like to ask questions because a lot of us will see you know this war or see you know certain people getting killed and we wouldn't think much of it until like you said, Pastor Jerry, it's an attack on us. Like what happened when they tell us, oh well, you got to stop uh, walking around with your Bible because of because of these people. Like that that's wow. I didn't even think of it like that. I never even think of it like that because the truth is we spoiled over here in America. <laughs> we think ain't nobody bold enough to do that to us. But truth is, I think that, that there's a time coming. Like there's a time coming. Oh my God. And that's 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 surreal though. <laughs> that is surreal. Did anybody else have any questions? Anything they want to add? Throw in, what's up, JY? I see them popped in the room. JY, you gonna greet us? Check in with us. How you doing this morning, man? Oh, good morning, y'all. I'm over here trying to get me some food, driving to work. Traffic is nuts out here today for some crazy reason. It's not it's it's nuts, but it's never like this. So I don't know what's going on. Um right now, weather wise, give me a second. <sighs> Pop done. Doctor Dr. Jerry kinda got me in my emotions over here, to be honest. Uh <laughs> Uh, with a high of 78, about to eat me some Whataburger breakfast. Uh, I'm on a, a four, four, four and a half-ish. Um, I agree with everything um, Prophet Jerry just said. I, I got, this is why I tell people, I got saved to die. That's why I got saved. So I know when I die, I know where I go. Thanks. So I'm not going to deny him. And this, if you read your Bible, you would know what's going on. It shouldn't be surprising. If, 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 what do you say? What the prophet Jerry? If you read your Bible, if you uh, what? It's in your Bible. If you, you did rip it out. It out. <laughs> and my, my, my apostle says, if you like it, you should read it. Uh, if you like the Bible, you should read it. If you read the word, you'll realize a lot of the stuff that is happening is happening. 
we got to quit thinking that we serve a God of um United States of America. That the only way God operates is only through the U.S. Like he's the God of Chicago, the God of only the God of Atlanta, only the God of Texas. Like, no, he is the God of the earth. So everything that is going on across the earth has everything to do with the Bible. The Bible was centralized around where this thing is going on right now. So what we have to realize is um, just don't be surprised. You know what I mean? It's going to probably become a time where we have to prove do we, are we a believer or we're not. That's why Jesus said, you deny my, deny me, I'll deny you before my father. That's going to, all this, this stuff we're seeing ain't new. This stuff ain't new. You know what I mean? So just, um, just be in prayer, man. You know, pray for yourself, pray for your loved ones, pray for those. Like right now, this is when we should, people should be getting saved. This is the time when people should be really seeking out. But J.Y., them. you know, oftentimes it doesn't hit um, special black folks. It don't hit us until it actually directly hit us. You know, we always reactive versus proactive, which is why, you know, I'm trying to ask the proactive questions of why does why should this matter to a lot of us? Because a lot of black people, they don't even see why this matters to them. You know what I'm saying? They thinking they just attacking Jews. And then most black people think that all Jews is white. So, yeah, they a lot of people, even, you know, some people in my friend circle and some of the people who I was working with, they didn't see a relevance to why we should care about, you know, an attack on Israel when they still, you know, uh, a war in Ukraine. Like, it seemed like it's a war almost every six months in another country. So that's why I be trying to get those proactive questions of why we should care and what should we do, you know, before it's too late or, you know. Don't the Bible, don't the Bible, speak, of, don't the Bible speak of wars and rumors of wars? It does. In yeah. these days. So, I mean, I honestly look at us as the children of Israel, who just was, for lack of a better word, idiotic. Like they, they, it took them what forty years or so to get to a place that only would took what eleven days. So a lot of times, like, it's it's a curse. It's an idiotic curse that we have, and we haven't chosen. A lot of us have been chosen to look past it, and and operate in an area of deliverance in it. So, you know, all I'm going to do is I'm studying myself more to kind of learn about what's going on. Um, and, you know, when those come across me that want, want knowledge, I'll give them knowledge. But, but let me tell you why they don't care. Let me tell you why they don't care. Because because we're selfish. I agree. We think about our, in the, in the words of my aunt, she said, we think about our four and yep, no more. Our four and no more, yep. Because that's, that's what we think about. We think all we want now, just think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. People come in the prayer line. They ask what you want God to do. It's all about them. Bless my family and bless my finances. I want to get married. I want to find them. It's all about them. It's never about somebody else. It's never about, you know, sit and, and let me tell you, every morning in prayer, even if you look back at our lives, when I go live doing prayer, my aunt says, my prayer is that God will send revival. That's the prayer. 
God sent a revival to this nation. God sent a revival everywhere. So when you start thinking about other people besides your four and no more, that's why they ain't in tune. You ain't in tune because you're thinking about yourself and what God can do for you and not for what he, he's going to do in, 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 the, um, in, uh, in the earth. And here's another reason, I believe, because people are, okay, that, if I get booted out the room, it's okay. You cannot, what's the word I want to use? You cannot put logic on what is spiritual. Let me say that again. You cannot put logic on what is spiritual. Because if you try to logistically figure God out in his ways, your mind will be so disconnected. There are some things that are not worth trying to understand. It's just I believe it's going to happen. I can't explain it because there are mysteries to God that we'll never find out. So stop That's trying to, to logically put your logical mind around things that are spiritual. Yeah. And this is why people are not believing in God and not believing what's happening and not believing the scriptures because they're trying to logically understand it. Let me tell you, there are some things that you will never logically understand. Yet, I believe it. Facts. I still don't understand. Called, I, I think that's called faith, Dr. Jerry, right? Oh, absolutely. How do you know this is going to happen? I don't know. I just believe it. See, see, you can't walk, you cannot walk in. If you say you are Christian or any or believing, believing on the Lord Jesus and believing in this scripture and believing in this word. A lot of us are going to miss God because we're trying to trying to put God in and put God in an image. And God does not operate in our sensual perception. He operates outside of it because he's spirit. And if you try to logically put an image on it, you'll blow your brain. You'll blow your brain. You you you'll blow your brain. You talking right there, Doc. You talking. I still don't understand how the wind blow, how all this how a baby form in a woman's womb. <laughs> but I got faith in it. <laughs> Anybody else want to jump in right there? Okay, okay. Well, if not, let me go ahead and refresh. Because it is clear. Right right oh, here. go for it, Mama Lamb. Go for it. What, I'm sorry. What, what, what Jerry said makes a whole lot of sense. You know, um, just especially when talking about faith. Sunday morning, I, I got up and I was thinking about going to church and planning everything. And I went and put my little coffee water on and I sat down at the dining room table and my whole mood shift. And it was an urgency. It's like this got to be done today and I ain't going to ease up until you get it done. So 
I had to, I was sitting there trying to think, okay, there was a situation in a, a building between a manager and a tenant, and the tenant got a 30-day notice, and uh, I had to intervene on that. <laughs> You know, most of us say, ain't my business, ain't my problem, oh well. Yeah. But sometimes the Lord make it your business and make it your problem. Oh well. Get on your job, do your course. So uh, I was sitting there for a while, text, text the manager, manager and see what goes on there. And then after a while, I heard this noise and I ran to my bedroom window and I was like, oh, be here. So um, I hurried up, got dressed, went downstairs and greeted him and everything. And I explained that I needed to talk to him. And I was here to uh, intervene on behalf of the young man and him. And the man just smiled at me like he knew. So I got in touch with the young man, they got together, we met in my apartment, and I explained to him that y'all need to clear this up. Because see, things get lost in translation when we do that email and texting, because you don't verbally talk, you just, you just text or email. You're not having a conversation. Well. Needless to say, they came to agreement. They were able to, um, the management told the young man what he needed. The young man did it. Yesterday I got, then yesterday at lunchtime, the young man was texting me and I was texting him back. And I just told him, think positive. Just think positive. I already knew the answer. I already knew that they was going to forgive him and let him live in your apartment. But I didn't tell him that. My summit was, you all need to get together, figure out a way to come together and move on. Yesterday evening, we knocked on the door. He looked at me and he said, I love you. Thank you. I said, you're welcome, but don't thank me. Thank God. He said, I already did that too. I said, okay, we're going to live in peace and harmony. I have been feeling so much joy in my heart because I listen to God and I obey. The God I live, the God I die. He done proven himself to me too many times for me not to believe there is a God. And I can see... Uh, Probably Jerry walking down the street with the biggest star, David. It probably was bigger than his whole body. I'm just exaggerating, but, you know, that's just the way my imagination is running right about now, you know. So, you know, we as Christians, we can't say one thing and backpedal into something else. I pray every day for the homeless, the drug dealer, the drug addict, the prostitute, the pimp, the children, the elderly, the younger, the, I pray for everybody and everything. 
not only my family, but everybody. Because it's important. It's important. Because they don't care if you an infant or 199. If they want to, if they out to get you, they gonna get you. So, like Papa Jerry said, we can't just pray for our four and that's it. We gotta pray for everybody, everybody, everybody. That's why I said pray without ceasing, twenty four seven. If you don't say nothing, but Lord, I thank you for covering us. Not for what he did, for covering us. And don't forget to uplift him, because he is our king. He is our El Shaddai. He is our everything. And let's not forget that. And I'm getting right there because I'm at work. Thank you so much, Mama. And I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. I think we have to get out of the selfish narrative <clears throat> as believers. I'm not sure where this came from, but as believers, we have to get out of that selfish narrative and we have to continue to follow the mantra of that. If you're a, surgeon, a soldier in the army of the Lord, you should be willing to sacrifice your life. I mean, plain and simple as that. But let me refresh really quickly, because it's 10 o'clock on the dot. It's 10.01, actually. It's 10.01. And I'm going to refresh real quick. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Waking Up with the Prophet, where we wake up each and every weekday morning with fresh inspiration, motivation, and a little bit of music to start our day. Not sure where you're listening from. If you're on your way to work, coming home from work, already at work, so we're working out. Maybe you called off work today. Maybe you'll have a job. Whatever the case may be, we just want to make sure that you're still starting your day off the right way, meaning with the right people, conversation, inspiration, mindset, attitude, spirit, all that good stuff. Because I believe by faith that as you allow God to cover your mind, cover your day, go before your day, things tend to go a little bit better. Not saying you're going to have no ups and downs, no bumps and bruises, no aggravations, irritations, and frustrations, because you're definitely going to have some of those. But when you allow God to cover you, cover your mind, cover your spirit, things tend to work out a little bit better. With that being said, though, it's Clergy Appreciation Month. It's Clergy Appreciation Month. But, of course, you know, we just take a whole week to discuss certain things about being in clergy, being in ministry, the church. Of course, we always talk about church topics in this room and whatnot. But I definitely want to talk about, you know, the misconceptions in ministry. In addition to, you know, a video I recently seen where a pastor was kind of voted out of the church. And, Pastor Jerry, I'm trying to understand where did that come from? Like, where did, first of all, one of the misconceptions that I had already addressed is the fact that all preachers and everybody who doing ministry is in it for money. First of all, that ain't true, because I'm going to be honest. I know maybe it's just me and my experience, but ministry don't pay that much. I'm sorry. It just don't pay that much. And I work for three churches. It just don't pay me enough for my luxuries. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got $1,500 rent. I just, I just can't. You know what I'm saying? But I think that's one of the misconceptions of ministry. And I think a lot of times that we have to debunk some of these things so people can have faith in church, so people can have faith in, you know, God and what we stand for. I think sometimes we do too much dividing of our own kingdom, our own temple. You know what I'm saying? We do too much dividing of our own house that that's why we see so much of a big problem within ministry. Pastor Jerry, I be saying preachers talk about other preachers who will invite them to their church to raise an offering for them, but then the minute that they, you know, at somebody else's church, a minute they on Facebook Live, you know what I'm saying, they doing their own thing, now they want to talk about the same preacher. And I'm like, well, what's the point of you inviting them to your church if he can't go to, 
I, and I just, I, I, I had a problem with it because I thought clergy was supposed to collaborate, not collide. I mean, I, I thought it was a different. When they collide, they all, they seemed like they always into it. But truth is, I thought God called us to collaborate. So for this room in here, I'm gonna put two questions on the table right now, just those two questions, because like I said, this video or this pastor kind of being ousted by his church is kind of weird to me. Now, granted, I, I believe it. If, if there's something flawed or wrong with a leader, I believe that, yeah, that maybe they should oust them out, but also maybe they should leave. What, what is the responsibility on the people in the church to leave the ministry if the pastor is is out of order? I mean, granted, there was a divide in the church where some people was on the pastor's side, some people wasn't on the pastor's side, but for the people who were against the pastor, why don't you just leave is, is my question. Or do you think that the body of believers should have authority over the church to say, hey, yeah, we want to just, you know, uh, take this pastor out of position and put one of the ministers there? Like, come on now. Ebony, they ain't leaving. To, oh. They, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ebony. Go ahead. Yeah, I see um, she so raised her hand, so I'm going to throw it to Ebony, then you, Dr. Jerry. So let me say this from an executive pastor standpoint. There are bylaws um, for each church. There should be. I know yeah. there's a lot of churches out here who ain't got no foundation. Um, none of that stuff <laughs> on paper. But there should be church bylaws, okay? And so there are conditions under which um, a pastor is voted in, voted out, sent down, etc. And so we don't know the full backstory um, of what happened in that scenario. That person may have um, violated those things. Yeah. Um, and cause for that, the church board holds. I know in my church, the church board holds a ton of power. Um, we can vote the pastor out. Yeah. Uh, we can vote the pastor out. Um, but there are processes before that. There, there are a lot of checks and balances. Um, and not everybody on our church board is a member of the church. Mm. So that's how we had checks and balances as well. That leaves so, some um, autonomy there, right? Well, no, autonomy would be if it was all of us, um, you know, all of us were church members. Then oh, okay. the church board would have full autonomy because we have outside persons, um, you know, they're able to review the things unbiased, you know, yeah. the circumstances without, you know, emotional connection and, you know, just make sure that we're following it. To the yeah. And okay. so we don't know the circumstances. Um, under which that pastor was was voted out. However, um, it typically needs to be fairly great. Um, it, it needs it needs to be pretty bad. Um, I know some certain scenarios where the pastor was just not a great fit, didn't give what was promised. You know, like in certain denominations, like the Baptist Church. You know, they change pastors every few years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I know there are clauses where you can be voted out like before your time is up. Um, I've seen it where like the person just was not a good fit for the congregation. Uh, it was divisive, numbers were down, whatever. So maybe it's one of those scenarios. Again, maybe some personal issues, who knows? Um, but as long as things are being done, you know, in order, um, then by all means, fine. I have seen situations where they did it by the letter and I still didn't agree. Like locking pastors out of the church for the vote. Um, I've just seen some nasty ways to go about it. And I've not seen this video or know the backstory to know if that's what happened. But um, no, the people should not leave instead of the pastor being voted out. 
Now, that sometimes people will leave if they have an issue. But if it's an issue that is church-wide, no, the whole church don't need to walk out if it's one person needs to address the one person. If the measures yeah. in place are still not there, there's no reaction, there's no change, there's you know no repentance, whatever, and you, you need to vote that person out, then that's what the bylaws are for. Instead of breaking up a whole church, you change the leader. Um, so I've seen a few different scenarios, but again, I don't know the backstory, so I'm just giving a general answer right now yeah. as to why that's possible. But is it still always like changing the lead? Like, cause what if a person starts their church like them said? Well, that's that's that board still comes into play. So yeah, my pastor live, started his church and he could still be voted out. So that's kind of crazy. That is kind of crazy. I mean, it, it's not because I mean I've seen you know even in the corporate setting for people who just start their own businesses and companies. You know what I'm saying that where it, situations like that didn't occur where they didn't got voted out by the board but i've never known that to be something that we actually did in church especially when the members you know have to get involved i think anytime it gets to that level then yeah it, 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 it should never get to that level to be honest <laughs> i was gonna say it should never get to that level where i think the whole congregation should have to vote on the leader i mean I think I will only leave that to like a core team or to a, I mean, is it like, Ebony, would that be a whole church-wide vote? Or like you said, typically, is that just... no. Typically, okay. no. Typically, it is just a board or a core team um, who does that. And I know in our church, that's the case. Now, I know when you're voting a pastor in, sometimes there is a clause um, where the whole church votes. I know in the Baptist church, some Baptist churches that, you know, operate like that, where the yeah. whole church gets to vote. But with the pastor going out, I've not seen it where the whole church gets to vote. It's typically just the board. So is there a point where a pastor has like executive decision then in his own church? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like there are certain decisions and it's in the bylaws. There's certain decisions that our pastor can make without us, the board. Mm -hmm. And there's others that he cannot. So it's just all about how the church bylaws are set up. Um, but there needs to be checks and balances. Any healthy yeah. church will have those checks and balances. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, most of them, I think most churches should. But then for a lot of the smaller churches, we don't really see that, which is why we see the casualty of ministry where so many people get hurt. And one thing that I'm really um, starting to understand too, and I want to talk about this as a misconception within ministry, is that we talk about church hurt so much, but I was listening to um, a podcast where they were talking about a lot of people have not been church hurt, but they have just undergone spiritual abuse. And I think that that's a real thing because if a leader is doing, I mean, if, if a leader is committing that type of form of spiritual abuse, I would definitely want to vote them out before I have to leave. Especially if this, if I found that to be a, a safe space, but then we also, I think, have to define what spiritual abuse is then, because I mean, I get it, I believe in church hurt kind of, but at the same time, I don't because at the same time, like we've said in this room before, you got hurt at your job and still went back, you got hurt in relationship still went back, but at the same time, you know, when it comes to this church thing, we try to say, okay, well, hey, you're not going to church no more because you got church hurt. When truth is they may have just dealt with spiritual abuse in that place. And like 
this like some of the people probably in this video in that congregation just felt necessary to leave versus come back but how do you necessarily address that spiritual abuse within a church you know what i'm saying do you just go out there and blast it to everybody you know what i'm saying or do you call that meeting with the board and say hey this is what pastor's doing that i feel like is spiritual abuse to, to you know what i'm saying it, would that be the proper protocol versus just saying okay well let me leave and count all this church hope I'm going to leave room for everybody else to answer <clears throat> that part. The only part I want to answer is everything that we call a church hurt is not church hurt. Sometimes yeah. people can't head a way. You were hurt by one person and now it's church hurt. That's not church. That's not, that's not the totality of the church. Yeah. Don't blame yeah. the whole church for the actions of one. Um, I don't agree with that. Say this person hurt me. Um, don't, don't put that as a blemish on the whole church. On the flip side, those of us who are leaders who are responsible for souls, that's why we have to be super careful um, in handling these people and making sure that we have checks and balances, that we're not in compromising situations. Like my pastor can't meet with the female by himself. Doesn't matter. Right. I, don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. If my co-pastor can't be there, somebody's going to be there. It's going to be recorded. It's going to be videotaped, something, um, because we, we, need, we need some sort of safety um and assurance because let's just be real people lie um but just a lot of what's being called church hurt is not church hurt um yeah. it, it's it's a person hurt you it's you couldn't get your way um there is valid church hurt where people have been and i told the story a couple of times about like my mother and you know, being pregnant out of wedlock and having to get up in front of the church. She was shunned by the church, wasn't in the church, blah, 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 blah. Um, she experienced like whole church hurt. Um, and it's really never been the same since. Um, but that's not the story for most people. Most people, it's a personal encounter. You didn't fit in. Um, it wasn't a good fit. You know, the church wasn't a good fit for you. And all of a sudden, you know, you feel rejected at this church hurt. So I just think we got to be super careful. Um, with that term, but I'll leave it to the pastors to talk about, you know, what should happen with that. Pastor Jerry, definitely jump on in. I see Pastor Anthony that came in, long time no here. Hey, Pastor Anthony, good to see you, sir. Pastor Jerry, you can jump in right there, though. Please forgive me. I was so distracted. I was I was very distracted. What, what's, what's your question again? I'm sorry. Oh, no, we was just continuing on the misconceptions of, like, ministry, church, and clergy. And we was talking about, of course, the leader who got ousted out or voted out by, you know, his church and the protocols of that, like when it comes to like spiritual abuse or church hurt, how do we handle that? Because a lot of people, you know, are still stuck on, you know, the, the, the misconceptions of clergy because they have dealt with so much, I guess, you know, quote unquote, spiritual abuse is what I call it instead of church hurt because I don't like using that word no more. But you know what I'm saying? Because they've been through things in the church, so now they have this, these all these misconceptions about what clergy is. Can I be honest with you? Can I be so honest with you? A lot of these folk ain't church hurt. They just offended. That's what it is. You offended. So, um, because I said something to you that you did not like. Now, all of a sudden, you church hurt and spiritually abused. Get out of my face. If you want to vote me out, <laughs> so what? 
Now here is here is here is my advice for those who are being voted in to a church. A lot of times, JY, Pastor Anthony, they don't want no pastor, they want a preacher. Mm-mm. Say that again. That's good. That's good. They, they, they don't want you to pastor them. They want you to preach to them. And go home. They, yeah. want, they want you to preach, give you your check, and go <laughs> Talk about home. it, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so serious. Because to pastor someone is to correct them, is to shepherd them. It's to correct them. And you know why they don't want to pastor Pastor Anthony? Because it's their church. And in God's church, my grandmother put money into this church. <laughs> oh, my grandmama name on a stained glass window. I, 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 I've been in this church. My great grandmother started, was a founding member of this church. I ain't going nowhere. But they, they ain't going nowhere. They are not going anywhere. They will go they through. You. They bought up to you. They broke ground with the church. They got a brick in the church. So they ain't going, they will, they will go through all kinds of proceedings to get your tail out of there. And because it's their church, that's exactly what it is. It's their church. And I, I, I and this is why I believe, you know, in uh, what, what, what we would call uh, Pastor Micah, a succession plan. A lot of churches don't have succession plans. And it should be, in, I, I believe, even in my aunt's bylaws, that she would choose the individual that is fit for the church. Because in, in, in all reality, um, at my aunt's church, she it's founded on prayer, founded on the word, and it is a prophetic church. If you don't have a prayer life, if you're not prophetic, if you're not rich in the word, you're not going to be able to carry out that church. What is the foundation of that church? And I'm going to end on this because uh, uh, one of my mentees, I taught music. Um, he <coughs> is a pastor and he was you know, being voted into a church. I told him these words, J.Y. Uh, Pastor Mike. I said, do not go in that church trying to make changes right away. You go into that church, you preach to those people, and let them give you the key to their heart. When you go in there, you preach. That's good. You That's good. do Bible study. Don't try to make no changes right away. Why? Because the people, you have to get their trust. Now watch this. When the people give you the key to their heart, turn slow. Don't go in there. No, 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 no. That's good, I, I, Pastor Jerry. I, I know, this is good. I, I know you're a, you a musician. But don't get over there on that organ. You that you better be that preacher and that pastor. They don't need you over there on that organ. Suffer for a little, suffer for a little bit, suffer, suffer, suffer for a little bit, and when you suffer for a little bit, then you say, "Listen, after we, we got to do some changes, 
you know, very slowly, but yet I want to do some upgrades and up the, I'm not, watch this. Here is the key. I'm not here to change anything. I want to enhance it. Ooh, ooh. you want it. It's not, come on somebody. I'm not going to change. I want to enhance what you already have. That's good. That's good. You know, so when you, when you gain the trust of the people, they'll give you the key to their heart. They will tell you what, what it is. And then always, and this is what I learned. This is what I learned. Always, <laughs> and Ebony, you can agree with me with this. Always have a great relationship with the chairman of the deacon board. Always. Because <laughs> if you ain't got no good relationship got with, power, don't <laughs> with that chairman of that deacon board, you can forget it. <laughs> Because honestly, it's the chairman of that deacon board that's gonna get that next pastor in. Oh, they got a board. Oh, but that chairman, he gonna have that last say. No, we, we don't want him as I'm a pastor. Now I I'm a I'm a pastor. And then when they announce the pastor, it's the chairman of that deacon board that's gonna announce who that pastor is. So if you ain't got no good relationship with that chairman, you can forget it, Doc. For real. And nine times out of ten. That pastor that's being voted out is because that chairman said, we got to do something about this. <laughs> Tell the truth, that's it. <coughs> yep. That chairman said, we got to do something about this. He got to go. He got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. That's so crazy. So how important is it for like ministers to grow up in that church structure? Pastor Jerry, because you know, like for me, it's shout out to Pastor Fleming, because that man got amazing deacon board. I'm talking about them men shows up. But it's like, how do you, um, not necessarily say how do you, well, yeah, how do you grow in that 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 process? You know what I'm saying? Because I know a lot of young preachers want to skip to be the pastor, but ain't never been nobody's deacon. Oh, I see you, Michael, raising your hand. You can um jump in. My fault. I ain't even, just not looked at you. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, I want to go back three steps, then I'm going to come forward. All right. So I want to go back to the voting process thing. Um, I agree with everything Pastor Prophet Jerry said, right? Everything he said. Um, um, as someone who was voted in to a church twice, I was voted in as interim and I was voted in as pastor. Um, I, I, I let it be known that, yes, I have an executive board. And yes, I have a deacon board, right? My executive board, I, I laid it out. You all handle the church business. You all do not override me. You do not overrule me. The Bible is our authority. And unless I am doing something unintegrable, you know, with no integrity, yeah. then there's no, and it's not to be dictatorship, but their vision is not the foresight of the church. That is, that is for me to have. You're supposed to line up and get in where it fit, not where it fit in, but you're supposed to align with the vision and carry out your weight or your mandate that you feel the Lord gives you uh, to uh, be a part. My vision is the sum part, but you may have a piece to the vision that may work alone. Like I have a vision for youth ministry, but I, as the pastor, I can't run the youth ministry. So I bring in somebody who has a vision for the youth ministry in the heart. We meet. 
make sure it aligns under the guidelines of our mission statement, vision statement, purpose statement, all them statements. And we build off of that and make it towards the kids, our, my minister of music, well, my worship leader, whatever, worshiping art pastor, whatever you want to call it. They, they have a vision. I don't have time to micromanage them, but I am here to begin to uh, just lead them like, hey, this is not lining up with my vision. This is what I need. Hey, uh, y'all are loose. I need you to tighten them up. And if you can't tighten them up, we got to move. It's just like for the pastor. Now, being the grandson of a chairman of a deacon board, I totally agree with he said about the chairman of the deacon board having the final say on who gets in and gets out. Um, that's almost uh, as bad as being the pastor. I'm just going to tell you, because uh, some of these chairman of the deacon board think they are the pastor because they have this say. And one thing I did was the first person I had to win was the chairman of the deacon board. I didn't try to win nobody else. The first person I went into the church trying to win was the chairman of the deacon board. Why? Because if I can get him along with the vision, I can get him to pass everybody in, get everybody in. But in my case, it was different. I had a whole different type of congregation who didn't look like me, who didn't worship near, no way near me, and trying to bridge that gap to, and it was older. They were stuck in a position. It was almost like when the children of Israel started playing, uh, complaining to Moses, like, I'd rather go back. I'd rather go back to what I know and be enslaved by this instead of moving forward to my freedom. I didn't go in trying to make no changes. I didn't. I stuck with them singing hymns at, at two, beats per, um, two beats per minute. Uh, my, my original musicians was what, 90 years, 80 years old. One playing a pipe organ, the other one playing a grand piano. Church, not Mike, didn't have no other instrumentation. But I did slowly start doing things and, um, um, because they went away one day and never came back. So I seized the opportunity like, hey, we got to move in a different direction. So, um, but when it comes to voting people out, you have to build a strong case and that can get ugly. You have to build a strong case. Um, um, and you have to be able to prove it because they tried to vote me out in the, uh, while I was interim at this church. Right. Um, my mom can tell you, I had to tell my mom to sit in the back of the church. Don't open your mouth and don't say nothing. Cause my mom, you know, mama in the building. So, you know, mama going to say something, right? You know, mama about to fight for her baby. And like, I'm like, no, mama, you can't say nothing. You are my aunt. You got to just sit there and be quiet. And I had to tell them that. And I had to stand there. And I stood there and they argued with me. They told me that I wasn't preaching doctrine. And, and when I asked the question back and I asked them, my mom can tell you, she ain't no, she ain't no lie. She ain't going to lie for me. I asked them, what is your doctrine? What is your doctrine? What is your articles of faith? And nobody in the room can tell me. Nobody in the room can tell me. And when I sat there and regurgitated the, the Baptist doctrine right back to them, the articles of faith right back to them, they looked at me and the, and the, and the presider from the, con, uh, from the ABC came in. That's the American Baptist Conference. Uh, uh, he said, he's right. That is our doctrine. 
He knows our articles of faith. He knows the 12 articles of faith. He knows the doctrine of the Baptist church and they couldn't say nothing. And he said, I see nothing. He said, I can't tell y'all how to do, but he said, every time I've been here to visit, everything he's done has been in the, in the order of Bible. And what he told them straight to their face was you all been so coddled by your pastor before that now he's giving you a truth that is challenging you that you, you can't, you mad. He said, this young man is doing exactly what God told him to do. So I, I've been through that fire in line. I've been through where they tried to vote me out and they tried to sneak and vote me out by calling a meeting while I was out of town. And my, fr my friend who was, uh, who brought me there was like, Hey, they trying to vote you out. We gonna have a meeting. Da, 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 da. I'm like, okay. And I was about to resign. I, I'm going to tell y'all anyway, I was on the verge of resigning. But my pastor and my spiritual father, they was like, no, I need you to go through this firing squad and prove to them that you know uh, the word of God because they think they do know it better than you. So I've been there. Um, and that's that's what I've been through. You know, um, will I ever pastor a church that's already set up again? I can't say yay or nay to that. Um, I, I am called to plant churches. But I don't know if I'll ever go through that again because I don't need a people set in their ways. That's all I heard. My grandfather, my mother bought this bench. I'm here because my grandma had put up this stained glass window. And I'm here because I don't care about all that. None of these people got all these plaques up here are even here anymore. You know, so, you know, it, it's just really going in and, I, you know, trying to be humble but understanding you have a mission to do and asking God when to implement what you need to implement. That's what you do. Uh, like Pastor Jerry's Prophet Jerry said, you can't always go in there and do a whirlwind 360. That'll get you voted out the next week. But if you slowly do things and do it through teaching, and I can tell you this, I taught uh, uh, about praise and worship, one of my first Bible studies. And you know how much pushback I got? And I was showing them in scripture where the Bible says, clap your hands, where it says, sing aloud, where it says all these things right in the word. And all they kept saying was, we don't worship like that. We don't worship like where you came from. We don't worship. And I was like, oh, no. So I had to take them all the way back to the beginning. So I know I talked a long time and I feel like I'm rambling. So y'all know what I do at this moment. I yield my mic. And I'm going to jump in because he's telling the truth. He did tell me, sit there and shut up and don't say nothing. But, you know, I did. And he gave me this dirty look and told me to sit down. And I told him no. I told him no. So, because uh, <laughs> they didn't know a praise and worship song from a, a hymn. How you gonna sing the same song in a hymn and in a praise and worship song and didn't even realize you were singing the same song? Mm. On the same day, that same Sunday morning, and I'm gonna rest my mind right there. Mama Lynn, hilarious. <laughs> hey, Pastor Anthony, good morning, sir. Come on in. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's been a minute. Life has been life and for show but we got a little breathing room right now um definitely tell you what what 
but what Pastor Jerry had to say is a hundred percent accurate. You first time you pull up on a church, don't you go in there trying to reinvent the wheel. You'll cause a rebellion amongst the people. Uh for no other reason, if for no other reason, the fact that you just can't switch up stuff on folk out the blue and think people are gonna be okay with it. Nobody likes change. <laughs> Even changes you know you're supposed to be making. You ain't supposed to go to McDonald's three times a week. Nobody likes change, right? So you can't think in a spiritual context. You can come in there and just get to doing stuff, and folks aren't going to have a problem with it. You just you can't shift people around like that. So take your time. That was one of the best pieces of advice I got from my pastor when I got down to my church. His son, just just take your time. I know you want to run. I know you got all these things God's showing you he want to do, but you got to take your time. Slow down. Let the people walk at a pace that people can keep up with. Don't you get up taking off down the road and can't nobody run with you. Just just take your time. You'll, you'll have plenty of time to get done what you need to get done. But I'm going to be honest about something. I don't know that I would ever fight. And it's just me being me. Uh, short of the Lord telling me, you, there's no, I have nowhere else for you to go. I don't know that I'm going to fight uh, getting put out. I'm going to leave. Yeah, I, look, I'm about to arm wrestle to get y'all to do the right thing. I'm not doing that. I don't I don't feel that in my spirit. Nope. You want me here? Bet money. I'm going to go ahead and pack up my little stuff and go up the street um, and let y'all do what you want to do. Um, again, short of the Lord telling me, no, nah, this is your cross to bear. <laughs> if that's the case, I'm going to kick and scream a little bit between me and him, and I'm going to go back in there and get back to work. But other than that, I'm not fighting to be nowhere, man. Um, y'all can... Do it how you want to get it, how you live, how they say, um, do what you want to do, but I'm not about to arm wrestle with y'all to get, to get you to where God wants you to be. How crazy is that? You're going to fight somebody. What's the responsibility on you making an executive decision versus having to fight with people? So check this out. So I was asked during the interview process, um, do you have any problem working with the board? I said, I've got zero issue working with the board. I said, but please understand something, right? Um, that's the, the, the structure you all want to abide with. I'm cool with that. And it is my heartfelt desire for us to move in consensus, but please understand this. I will not allow a lack of consensus consensus to keep us from moving where God wants us to move. Period. I was like, just like in my house, my desire is for my house to move under consensus, uh, for us to be on one accord making decisions. But here's the thing. When the day comes and the Lord says, what took place at this address? He's not coming to my wife. He's coming to me. Just like if the Lord comes and says, what happened to 600 North Linwood Avenue, which is the address of the Prince of Peace Baptist Church? He's not going to the board. He's coming to whoever's sitting in that chair. And I told them, I will more, I'm more than willing to work with a board, but please understand something. I'm not going to lie. I will not allow a lack of of agreement to keep us from moving forward. And here's the thing. I'm going to make the call and that's the way we're going to go. But here's the thing. If it turns out my call was wrong, I am adult enough to come back to the table and say, you know what? We had to make a move. I picked the direction. It didn't go the way I wanted to go. Let's come back to the table and figure out another way to go. I'm a, I'm adult enough to do that. But no, I will not be handcuffed by anything. I just won't. And if that's not what y'all want, that's cool. I'm good with it. You can go another direction. But please hear me. That's how I'm going to move. And their voting for me lets me know they were okay with my direction. 
and that's it. We haven't had any. I'm I'm fortunate. I haven't had any issues. I've had no real. I've had no dissension. I had one conversation uh, because the, the, the deacon didn't understand why I didn't take up an offering at a second service. So I got a chance to re-explain and reteach the process of tithing, and that is the mode by which we fund the church. Um, not fundraisers, not chicken dinners, none of that nonsense, because that's not scriptural. Not to mention, fiscally, it doesn't make any sense because you never actually make any money doing that crap anyway if you actually look at the numbers. Between the time and the supplies, you don't make nothing no way. So it's a waste of effort. It's also not biblical. That's the real issue. Um, the church is funded one way. And if we, as the body, do what we are supposed to do, the church will never be short for funding. And then if you're responsible with what you get, that's the other piece, um, you're not out here trying to freaking go international and you got seven members um sit down somewhere and, and be local where you're supposed to be that's where god assigned you to be so be local and handle that business and if god grows you to the point where he wants you to do something more he'll fund more but stop trying to do stuff you ain't built to do in the first place anyway let me get off the soapbox uh did you say yeah, go nash international with seven members i am yep. done look i've seen it, bro i've seen folk that whose reach can't get to the corner store and back and you talking about you want to be international this that and the third y'all calm down work where you're planted first <laughs> you don't have the funding to do all this other stuff yeah so and so got a jet that's great that ain't you that's not your testimony go sit down somewhere and work your work your neighborhood the way you're supposed to be an asset and a resource and if god decides to do more with you then great and if he doesn't be happy where he planted you that's it you know, folks be wild out here in the street anyway i'm gonna shut up And you know what really bothers me? I'll tell you what bothers me. When you got 10 members in your church and every one of them is a pastor or a prophet or overseer, where the regular members at? You ain't, you ain't got no regular members with me? What's going on here? That does something to me. It really does. It really does. They do that, Prophet Jerry, because they don't want people to leave their church. So people come there looking for notoriety. And so we'll give you your title and, you know, to make people, to draw more people to their church. That's why they do that. But, but, but they yeah. broke. They broke. Uh, come, I mean, come on now. They, they broke. I mean, Mama Lynn, uh, uh, Ebony, where I come from, if you if if you're gonna be a bishop, you had to have some money. Back. Oh, you 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 had to have some money, and 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 this is my first advice, my first advice to any minister, any preacher, any prophet in training, or anybody, and they are young. What I tell them is, do not spend your money on garments. Spend your money on study tools. Makes no sense for you to be a dressed up fool. You got these garments, you got these collars, you got all of this stuff, but you have no idea what the Pentateuch is. You have no idea about what anything. Yeah, you look nice, but you sound ridiculous. You buy all these expensive garments, you pay $500 for a robe, when a Greek Hebrew lexicon is $140 or $160, 
save your money and, and, and get you some study tools. What, what are you reading? Man, let, let me ask every preacher in here. What are you reading now? What is your study tool now? I know, I know, um, I'm um, again, my fourth time reading Lester Sumrall's book, The Gift and Ministry of the Holy Spirit. Four times. I have to read a book more than one time. I read The Autopsy of a Deceased Church at least five times. Um, uh, I've, I'm, I'm into, okay, who, who is your, your, your I never theologian heard of that one. Say that one again. Hold on. You said the, the autopsy of a deceased. Of a deceased church. It's a small I book. I had to look it, down. It, it well, well Prophet Jim. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'll no, it's back. okay. It, it talks about, you know, what kills the church and how to not kill, you know, have your church die. It's a very small book. The autopsy of a deceased church. Um, I'm on another book called The Resilient Pastor. Um, I'm, I'm reading again um, Eben R. Jordan's book, Ebony, uh, The School of the Prophets. I got all the volumes on that. I agree with some of it, but then again, I don't agree, but I, I'm just using it for information. I have his books. Um, uh, and then I read um, th this book. What's this lady name? It's called The Divine Revelation of Hell. And then she has something that's called The Divine Revelation of Heaven. Um, I got to go back and find find that name. But yeah, but I'm on again of uh, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit by Lester Sumrall. So to answer your question, Prophet Jerry, I love that question. Uh, first of all, I'm doing kind of multiple things, uh, but I am the Lord. I am slow reading, um, winning the war within your winning the war in your mind by Craig Groeschel. I don't care what nobody say. This man, uh, he when I listen to his podcast, it just always get me thinking. Um, I'm also reading a book by Apostle pa uh, Patrick J. Brown. I'm getting ready to restart this book called Change Matters. It's 21 Principles of the Process, Purpose, and Product of Change. Uh, and practice, uh, Apostle Patrick, I think, is in North Carolina. Um, and then when I went to uh, uh, Virginia to uh, Bishop Sean Church, he, he gave me a book called Church Leadership Moments that I'm going to get ready to read. Uh, so um, I'm also doing that. And then I'm also building two different type of Bible studies. I'm building one for preachers, uh, ministers, teaching them about ministry, not one cookie, not one way or always, but just teaching them like about hermeneutics, hermeneutics, uh, hermeneutics, hermeneutics, hermen whatever. Y'all know what I mean. Um, and I'm also Homiletics, starting homonutics. Yes. <laughs> Try saying that three times fast. And um, how to truly exegete the text. Like, we don't work on that. I'm building that. And then I'm also uh, building a Bible study on the seven churches of Asia Minor, um, which is going to take me a little while because I'm working with a 13-year-old and we're writing it together. So I have to write on her schedule. Uh, my 13-year-old, my mom can tell you, she loves the book of Revelation. When I asked her, she's like, Dad, I ain't read that in a minute. Yeah, let's do it. So, and, and each one of my children, I'm on a go with each one of my children to write a Bible study uh, with each one of them. Um, the 13-year-old would really be for high adults because that's how she thinks. But the other ones would be more children-friendly. So um, that's what I'm, that's what we're doing in this house. You know, honestly, Prophet, when somebody, I'm sorry, go ahead. Prophet, 
Remember me talking about Google and my granddaughter teaching me about Google? That's that 13-year-old. That's that 13-year-old you just sit back and you look at and you say, uh-huh, okay. You might ask the question. You might not like the answer. I knew something was up with her. I knew she was truly called for something. When she was talking to us about Humpty Dumpty, and she said, where does it say he was the egg? And I'm going to leave right there. Don't y'all go say that Humpty Dumpty for him because we did. And I, I told Mike, go get her. Well, honestly, Pastor Micah, this is when I pastored, I started my church on the ground. I started my church from zero, zero members. I preached to the seats every Tuesday. 6.30 and every Sunday at 3 until God filled my church. I went from zero members to 100 members in the matter of two and a half years. People came to my Tuesday night teaching more than they did the Sunday afternoon service because I did a lot of teaching. And whenever new converts would come, I always get the question, when reading the Bible, where do I start? This is what I tell them. I tell them, since you are a new convert, I tell them, read the book of John first. The book of John teaches you about the I am's of God or the, or, or the seven I am's of Jesus. It tells you more personal things about Jesus. Since you're serving Jesus, John had that revelation of who Jesus is. So John literally describes and tells us who he is and what he's able to do, his capabilities. Then I tell them, read the book of Acts. And after you read the book of Acts, because it's the acts of God through the apostles, which uh, uh, constitutes and understands what the church is and how it was formed in demonstration of power. Then I tell them to read the book of Ephesians, because the book of Ephesians gives us Christian conduct. Then I tell them to read the, uh, the, the gospels. And then after that, Start from Genesis and, and and all of that. So that that's 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 what I tell them when they're new converts. To answer the first question, there, Prophet Jerry, I am presently reading "How to Think Theologically" um, by who's the author of this book? Hold on, uh -oh. by uh, Howard Stone and James Duke. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm reading. And you brought up a good point uh, that we ought always, we, let me say this, at the risk of uh, upsetting somebody, you're a preacher, you better be reading more than your Bible. Um, you need to be reading some extra biblical text to gain a deeper, broader, more thorough understanding of what it is, A, you believe, first off, and doing that critical work to make sure you understand what you're telling folks. So... I'll offer that and I'll shut my mic. Pastor Michael, you talked about a book you're reading about the mind. Another good book is uh, Joyce Meyer, The Battlefield of the Mind. Very good book. Very good book. I read that like twice. See, I have to read books more than yeah, one I'm, time. I agree with you. I read that. Uh, I think my mom bought me that uh, years ago when I first started preaching. 
Um, and one thing my mom does, she re- seldomly buys me books that she thinks are fit. And, and in due time, I read it uh, or I do what is called purposeful reading. People, There's a difference. There's reading and then there's purposeful reading. And in purposeful reading, I read what I need to get out of the book and then I move on. Then I come back to the book and read some more or read it straight through until I get everything I need out of it. And uh, and sometimes I have to that means I have to read a book two or three times because I might have read read three chapter one, two and three. And then I need no more out of it at that moment because that was enough. And sometimes I have to go back and read the whole entire book uh, and keep it uh, read up. And I agree with you, Pastor Anthony. Um, I I got all. Listen, when I first started preaching, all my aunt and my mother did was buy me books about different. If they seen it and they felt like I needed it in ministry, I got it. I got commentaries. Now we can go online and get it. But I still sometimes I like the book better because there's times I like to highlight stuff, write it down, write it in there, a note on it. And then when I go back, uh, uh, I can go back and read it. But you're right. Read, read. That's what my um, old pastor used to tell me. And that's what I encourage new ministers uh, when they tell me they preach. And I ask, what are they reading? Not just in the Bible, but what book outside the Bible? And you got to sometimes and sometimes you got to read stuff you don't agree with. People don't hear me when I say that. And the reason you got to read stuff, you don't. Say that that again, because, you know, we talk about the misconceptions of ministry. And I think Mama Lane had mentioned it earlier about how they require so much uh, for ministers and stuff now. Um, But I think that's one of the misconceptions, too, that we were only taught that all you got to do is study the Bible, read the Bible. You got to know your Bible more than you know anything else, which is why a lot of people were deterred from reading outside books, outside journals, because. You know, especially in Pentecostal movement, because they only taught us you got to stay reading the Bible. So when somebody asked me that question a couple years ago, I was like, uh, the Bible? <laughs> That's all I'm reading is the Bible. <laughs> yeah, you got to read. You got to read stuff you don't agree with. But you got to. But let me say this: you got to be mature enough to do that. Some people are not mature enough to do that. And then they end up taking on the beliefs of what they were reading. Sometimes you have to read stuff you don't agree with uh, to understand what you're preaching against, uh, because you have to be able to use those things like like all these tricks of the enemy to get us to do all these things. Let's just use uh, uh, let's just use fast food. Let's go with fast food. We, We eat it because it's convenient. But it's not always healthy. Now, if you eat fast food, I'm not if that's it's your choice once once a month, that's not going to be as bad as somebody who eat it two or three times a week. That once a month, you don't worked it off and, 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 and did whatever. But eating it two, three times a week, you're overloading yourself with all that, all that stuff. So you have to be able to, uh, uh, you know, know your balance, know your balance. Uh, and some people are just not strong enough to do that. But if you're strong enough, uh, you you need to read some things you don't agree with so you can understand what the enemy's propaganda is so we can come back and learn how to refute it with the word of God. And I yield my mind. Uh, uh, Mikey, you, you spot on with that, um, which is why, you know, for me, I, I, I say the preachers read more than your Bible because you're the one who's got the responsibility to help teach the people, right? So you better be, you need to be grounded in and of yourself anyway. 
right? What you believe, where your faith is. But it, it's it's important to read certainly what you don't necessarily agree with. One, because it helps you to better be grounded where you are. But beyond that, you need to understand what the arguments against the gospel are. That's so good. you can understand how to combat that. I had a friend of mine who was a staunch atheist. And he and I would go back and forth for hours. And I told him, uh, under after many a session, I thanked him. Like, bro, you're making me better because you're making me sharpen my arguments. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he, and they have, they have all, they all got playbooks they run by. The atheist has a certain script they run by. Your Hebrew Israelites have certain scripts they run by. Certain key points they like to bring up. Your, your uh, practices, practices of, practitioners, sorry, of Islam have their scripts that they use to attack Christianity and whatnot. You need to understand what they are and what the counterpoints are so you can have a conversation. You've got to be able to recognize where there is a valid statement, but then what's the answer to that statement, right? How do you deal with that? Um, how do you deal with the person who says uh, Christianity is a white man's religion? We got to understand where they're coming from and why they have that positioning to yeah. understand how to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Right, the fact that white people are the least represented folks in all the Bible, but let's see the here or there. Uh, um, the fact that it's a Middle Eastern book set in the Middle East. Um, but again, you, you've got to understand um, having a, a, a full, uh, rounded out base of knowledge to have the conversation from. Otherwise, you'll get ran through by somebody who simply understands the talking points better than you do. Um, and has no real biblical knowledge, but they understand their script, right? So you've got to read more. You've got to spend the time um, to to develop better. Good, Michael. Yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what the Hebrew Israelites, the Muslims, they all they before they send them out, they rehearse them on the talking points. They rehearse uh, rehearse them on certain biblical things that they can argue you down. And if you notice, they never have quiet debates. They always want to use loud uh, uh, and be boisterous and boisterous about how they want to debate you. So because they know most of us are going to cower back or not be strong enough in the word to be able to refute back on, on uh, I'm just throwing it out there, Exodus 3, verse 2. Like they'll run with it. I don't even know what to say right now, um, but they'll run with it. Like I'm just using that example and they'll run, 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 run. But the Bible says this or or even like what we eat. A lot of them stand on an argument of what we eat. And I'm like, bro, y'all standing on an argument of what we eat. But y'all do just as much. Y'all do uh, just as bad by the way y'all treat y'all women, by the way y'all smoke and, and, and take in all these intoxicating drinks. Yeah, the Bible tells us not to drink, to be drunken. And most of y'all be drunk all the time or, or so high out of your mind, you can't even tell me uh, which way to go, left or right. So, you know, and that's arguments they stand on. Um, um, just to refute you down and argue you down. So you got to be able to um, stand your ground and sometimes just be like, you know what, you're right, and just walk away because not everybody's worth your time and energy. Jesus didn't always argue with people. He said what he had to say and moved on. Um, so, you know, um, that's what we got to get to, um, just really understanding that part. Um, and yeah. I think that's the part of contending for the faith. Prophet, that a lot of say us what you want. After. Say what you want. 
But that's why, Pastor Anthony, y'all, I love Pastor Gino Jenkins. Ooh. You mean Jennings out of Philly? Yes, Lord. I love, he might be a little rambunctious. He might be. <laughs> oh, yeah. The man with the member, he, he got that male church. Like, he got let a me, nice church. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you how I'm connected to him. I'm connected to him because his brother-in-law was my pastor. When I tell you, that man got scripture for everything. He bring you up, coming to the mic, <laughs> and scripture you down. Some things I agree with, some things I don't. But let me tell you, that man gonna stand on the Bible. I'm telling you, from the Rudy to the Tootie. Yeah, I don't watch. I don't watch him a couple of times. He he is a little rambunctious. Like, so, oh, okay. <laughs> Respectfully, I can't rock with you there. I'll just leave it alone. Everybody has a cup of tea. Uh, he certainly does go to the text a lot. I cannot. Uh, he he also at times misappropriates the text as well. But we'll leave that alone. He does. He he really does. That's what I said. Some some things I agree with. Some things I don't. But the reason why I love him is because of his stance for yeah. what he believes. Yeah. His stance of what he believes. Some some is to the left a little bit, but I, I love the guy. I really do. Yeah, he is very strong in his approach, and then he has a strong male um, male presence in his church as well. Like I've seen some of his videos. He has a very, very strong male presence in his church. And I don't know why, but for me, I've always thought that was a sign of a thriving black church. When your black church, when your church got a, a, a good deacon board, a, a good group of males in there, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I be, I be sold on the church then. Because I be thinking, yeah, I got all that work. <laughs> I don't yeah, like seeing too many women in the church, and it's only like two, three men about to happen. I just don't. Something about that. There's a reason me. for that. And I'll, I'll, I do not believe all of it is good. But I'll leave it alone. Okay, understandable, understandable. Mama Lane, you tried to raise your hand. Pastor, let me let me clear something up. Remember when we was talking about because uh, 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 you brought it up uh, uh, the know, difficulties of ministry, right? Okay, uh -huh. and 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 I'm saying like young ministers or, or not young, but. Ministers, we know them being called to Christ uh, to preach or to lead the people. Uh, we know uh, evangelists. And some churches, not all, I don't care what they done did in the church, worked in the church, whatever, they and the, and the pastor know or they know that this person got a call. They will run them through the mill literally run them through the mill and will not ordain them for some reason they won't do it i don't know what the reason is but i have seen it done would they have that person end up leaving and going somewhere else and they have to start this process all over again but it's worth it in the end and mike can tell you we both done seen it and it is to me, it's just blind, mind blowing. I will always ask, like, why they do that? Why do they do that? 
if they're jealous, if they're afraid, is they, what is it? So that's what I meant by by that. And that, hey, I know some people should never step foot in. Look, even a turtle will fall asleep. <laughs> a sloth will move slower. They should not be there. Period. I done seen that too. Some of them I've been be sitting there saying, what in the world is they saying? Do you understand? You know, you be even asking people around, you understand what they talking about? And they looking at you like, no. So yeah, I do understand, but I just want to clear that little bit up. That's all. Now you. No, you, you right. Trust me, I definitely understand. <laughs> All right, well, listen, it's 11 o'clock on the dot, so it's time for us to go ahead and wrap it up. But y'all know we always close it out with final remarks and question of the day. Um, and question of the day is just something simple. Um, it's basically the same question that I've been asking um, in the room overall. Of course, I've given my misconceptions about ministry and clergy and some of my pet peeves about it. But the question of the day is going to be simple. What are some misconceptions that you have um, about ministry, about clergy, about being in church? You know what I'm saying? A lot of people think that this is easy. A lot of people think that some, like most people in it, just for the money. A lot of people, you know what I'm saying, have so many misconceptions about it. But at the same time, like I told y'all earlier, one thing about this room and one thing about us having these conversations is so we can debunk a lot of these things and restore faith into some of these um, these principles and some of these practices and disciplines that we actually are affirming to or growing to. So, yeah, that's that's the question of the day. Was calling me. My final remarks is, as always, thank you guys so much for coming in here and having developmental food for conversation with me um, and helping us all grow. I know I'm probably the youngest that be in here most times, but then for the people who are older than me who still may not be as knowledgeable, I think we all are able to take something away from these conversations. But with that being said, I want to know what is a misconception that you have about ministry or had about ministry? What is a myth or something that has been said that you would like to debunk when it comes to what ministry is, what church is, and what clergy is. So pour the refresh, see where you guys are on the stage, and we're going to go in that order, starting with Ebony. Ebony, it's on you. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm just running back to the phone. So I missed the latter part, uh, probably the last five or so minutes, because uh, the baby woke up. However, um, let's see, misconceptions. That I'll say one, that every pastor's spouse needs to be a leader in the church. Um, every oh, pastor's that's spouse is not a minister, co-pastor, apostle, bishop. Some of them just regular old sister so-and-so. Um, and ain't nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Um, her ministry is, is covering the man of God, taking care of that family. Um, she's carrying you know, quite a bit. She probably doesn't even care to carry a title on top of that. So, you know, not every pastor's wife is going to be doing the women's conferences and ladies' teas. Let's be honest. Not every pastor's wife even wants to be in that position. Yeah. Because um, my husband answered the call today or tomorrow, and I, I ain't going to be happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to obey God, but I ain't going to be happy. Um, so I think that's, that's one one major one. Um right there that I just don't care for. On the flip side of that, um, there's this thought that female pastors, bishops, apostles, whomever, 
that their husbands are somehow weak-willed men and that they run their homes. And that's not always the case. I know female pastors, um, bishops, apostles, etc., um, who are very submitted to their husbands. Their husbands are just not leaders within the church. Uh, but when it comes to their home, they are very much submitted wives. Um, not every woman in leadership and ministry is masculine. And not every pretty one is a dummy. Uh, we just make a lot of weird uh, misconceptions um, about clergy that are very sexist, ageist, um, we just had a lot that we need to clean up. So those are just a few of the more um, common ones. Above all, besides the last five minutes that I missed, I have thoroughly enjoyed um, the conversation so far. And, you know, I guess what you're building for Clergy Appreciation Week. So I hope everybody has an amazing day. And um, God willing, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Yeah, we had a peaceful conversation today, Ebony. You know why. You know exactly why. All righty, all righty, all righty, all righty. Mama Lynn, I'm throwing it to you. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Mama Lynn, it's on you. <laughs> we sorry, y'all. Y'all had to be in here last week to understand it, and I don't want to bring it up. Um, ooh, you know... As I learned and grow, uh, my thing was a pastor had a gravy life. Well, no, they didn't have a gravy life. I became mother of a son that was a minister. And I, I mean, you know, when I say I went to other mothers that had sons and I explained to them what was going on and they looked at me, they said, pray. And I was like, pray? They was like, yeah, you're going to have to do a whole lot of praying. You're going to have to learn how to sit there and be quiet and hold your peace, even when you don't want to hold your peace. And I mean, they broke me down, literally broke me down. Till I was sitting there t- telling the Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't want this. Late, I already got it. But yeah, uh, pastors have a gravy life, and I'm like, uh, Ebony, I feel sorry for the minister's wife. Now, some minister's wives, I, I, I used to want to say, Oh, you just too much, you know, hey, just go somewhere and sit down. But, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at, you know. Um, I learned. Ministers do not have a crazy life. Ministers, I put on the level of the president of the United States. They probably want to punch some people in the face, and I understand why. So uh, that's one thing I had to learn. Uh, And that was a hard pill to swallow, especially when you have to watch your own son go through it. And there is really nothing you can do about it. It's something that they have to walk through, learn, learn from, and grow through. So, yeah, that 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 call, that's a fire call. That you know, I understand uh, now a whole lot more than I did. Um, hey, I don't know we've been a minister now uh, too long. I don't want to think back because then it make me think how, how old I am. 
<laughs> but that's what I learned. I love y'all. You know, this room, I learned from y'all. I love y'all. And uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it right there. Love y'all. Hey, Pastor Jacob. Good to see you. Good to see you, Pastor Anthony. Good to see you, Michael. It's the good to see everybody for me. All right, I'm throwing it over to Pastor Anthony. I see you here, Pastor Jacob. I'm going to throw it over to you right after Micah because um, we were just having a conversation about the misconceptions in ministry. So now we're just getting the final remarks and question of the day. So, Pastor Anthony, I'm throwing it over to you for that same question. It's cool to be back in the space that I've been going for a while. Um, I think the biggest misconception that I've seen and come across is that way too many folk thinks what happens on Sunday encompasses all that it is to be a pastor. Sunday is the easy part. Um, it's the calls during the week. It's the study. It's the praying with folk. It's all, all the other running and doing that really makes up the meat of the work that doesn't get talked about in public very often. You see what happens on Sunday and they think, oh, such a glamorous position. Everybody's watching you. Everybody's listening to you. Man, let me tell you something. If that's all that the role had to come with it, maybe then everybody really could be a preacher because <laughs> that's the easy part. The hard part's all the others, the other stuff and the mantle and the weight of loving a people you are not related to. But when their pains become your pains, that's that's the real work. Right, and so few people really understand what comes along um, with that vocation, with that assignment, um, the real work of it all. That's what I got. Okay, that's good. That's good, Pastor Anthony. And what's crazy is I'm starting to realize that as like even as I grow, I'm working for you know Mount Carmel right now. And all of us are like <laughs> full-time workers now. And it's like seven of us. I've realized like how much it takes to actually run a church. Granny, you think it's just coming to open a building, clean the bathrooms, you get to go home. No, it takes a lot of work and effort to actually run a ministry. You know what I'm saying? Especially as you start growing and thriving. Yeah, preaching on Sunday is the easy part, honestly. <laughs> So I completely agree with you. Michael, I'm throwing it over to you, man. Final remarks and question of the day. What are one of the misconceptions that you had or thought about ministry? Uh, thank you. Uh, great conversation. Good to see everyone. Um, uh, one of my biggest misconceptions is uh, the over-appreciation of the pastor. Um, I, I used to think, you know, um, you know, you go to churches and you see uh, pastor at church anniversary and all these people are coming and or or it, it, and they really not uh it's an underappreciation of the role of the pastor um too many they've devalued the pastor and and you know um you get to church anniversary or your pastor anniversary is really for some it's really a lonely day because you you've helped so many along the way and and they don't come and show appreciation that's why i'm glad i'm glad i learned at an early age not to be dependent on man um because if i lived by their appreciation which you always want to be appreciated but if you lived by that you will be miserable um, and I've learned through coaching. That's why I thank God for uh, allowing me to start coaching in my 20s, 
uh, how thankless of a pastoral job is, a pastor, a leader of a church job is, because they're quick, quick to heap the blame on you. But when things are success, they want it all spread around and, um, and all those good things. So, you know, um, the underappreciation of a pastor is one of the uh, overappreciation of a pastor is one of the biggest misconceptions. And some churches do a better job than other churches of celebrating a pastor. But it's a lot out here who really don't show the value but they expect their pastor to be at their house at midnight if something going on or meeting them at the hospital at midnight if something going on. But yet when the pastor needs them, it's not um it's not um it's not the same. So I just wanted to share that. That's good, Michael. I appreciate that. All right, Pastor Jacob, I'm gonna throw it over to you then, last but not least. Um, I know you weren't able to, you know, tune into most of the conversation today, but we were, of course, just continuing with Clergy Appreciation Week um, and celebrating everybody, you know, who's in clergy. But one of the things that we were talking about was the misconceptions that people have when it comes to clergy ministry and church. So that was our question of the other day. Feel free to answer it. And then I'm going to throw it over to you to press out since you was last but not least. Well, good morning to everyone. I'm going to miss you too. Uh, the number one misconception for me is that we don't see y'all going on vacation while we have to hold down the fort the whole time. You're on vacation. And then when we, when we want to take our family and take moments away from the pulpit, some of y'all won't even show up to church when we go. Oh, the port. Now that's fact. <laughs> so you want to kill us. And then, uh, Pastor Anthony, one of the things that I've learned, Micah, is that the same people who have a whole lot to say will be the first ones to walk over your corpse looking for their next pastor. <laughs> You're preaching, sir. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll walk over your corpse as soon as you die. They're not even going to bury you. As soon as you die, they start looking for their next pastor. Um, especially if they're the one that you... What the system plan has in place. Um, so I, I think a lot of times one of the, the craziest things is, you know, people don't even realize we see y'all going to on vacation. And the number of vacations we had to miss, the number of things we could not plan because of church, because of our call, because of uh, being uh, in, in position. And you really, really want to take your kids to, to Disney World three times. And the, fun, the funny thing is, especially when you're a young pastor, because I'm, I'm, I'm used to it, uh, a young pastor, and the church members don't completely make up all of the bills of the church, and it has to come out of your family's money, and and you're trying to keep the church afloat because you know that's what God called you to. and um, so, yeah, I've counseled at least four pastors this past week who are struggling because the church's bills outnumber their people. Well, the people uh, have jobs that can support and sustain it, but they aren't giving the way that they should be giving. And uh, so, yeah, he has to take, he had to take some of his funds to cover the, the lack. And, uh, yeah, it, yeah. 
Uh, Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness, and your love. I thank you that you're moving like never before in these your people's lives. And we give you praise because the work that you're doing for us sometimes is unseen, but it's always beneficial. I thank you, God, that as we get to a place where our maturity sees your movement, that, God, we will get into a place where our trust overwhelms our fear. I thank you for it now, and I give you praise, honor, and glory. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Thank God and amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for just coming in and spending time hey, with us. All. Go for it, Pastor Jacob. Go for it. Real quick before you hop off, I want to re- I want to just recognize something Jacob just said in that prayer. Asking God to help us that our faith overcomes our fear. Please mm-hmm. note he did not say take the fear away. Yeah. Fear is ever is something that we, we, we have to negotiate. We have to navigate the reality of being scared to make the next move and your faith comes into place or comes in play when you move in spite of how you are feeling because you trust God. I keep trying to tell people the opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is inaction. You can still do it scared if you trust God. I just wanted to lift that. All right, I'm done. That's good. That's good. I ain't gonna cap. Can I, can, I, can I say something to that too? Go for it. Why? 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 So um, I want to put a little by. I was reading an old sermon that I did on Noah in this uh, in a sermon series I did called Limitless Faith. And and it, and and I found some notes and I found where it talks about fear and faith and how they work hand in hand. There was a fear of of the unknown or or even trying to build an ark in front of people that called you crazy because they haven't seen the rain, but you're doing it because you're being obedient to God. And like he said, the fear you have to come overcome the inactivity. Fear causes you to become inactive, inactive. And what happens is uh, fear can paralyze you. And many of us have been paralyzed in the spirit because of our fear, but not allowing our faith to overcome our fear so that we can operate when God told us to operate and in the way God has told us to operate. Can y'all still hear me? Yep. Uh, all right. And operate in the way God uh, and operate in the way God has called us to operate. And what we do is we get scared because number one, we stop listening to God's voice and start listening to everybody else's voice around us. It's okay oh, to get uh, godly counsel, but sometimes many of us continue to seek seek out godly counsel that will uh, um, 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 come into agreement with our fear, which allows us to stay paralyzed, which now once we go into that paralyzed fear, now we operate in obedience. But there's nothing in the Bible that says that we can't operate in obedience to God, do it while we're scared. But now our faith and our fear is operating and our faith is overcoming our fear. There's nothing like it. You get on a roller coaster, you get that fear. There's a a fear, but you're operating over your fear saying, I'm going to ride this roller coaster and I'm going to ride it up to the mountaintop. And once you get up to the mountaintop, your heart start racing the hilltop, but you're still conquering it while moving and navigating through the roller coaster. So I just wanted to uh, say that and be quiet now.
Y'all talking so good. Because what's crazy is in my check-in this morning, I told them how I was on like a 4.9 or, you know what I'm saying? I was kind of shaky and worried about stuff and still a little fearful about it. But I'm going to still go on and continue to do it in the midst of, even with doing this show sometimes, I'll be like, God, do you still want me to do it? Like, what about doing? I'll be afraid of having conversations and all that other stuff. But what you guys just spoke was volumes to me because that's what I'm asking God to do in my life. Increase my faith past my fear, past what I think people are saying about me, what people are saying about me. Increase my faith past all of that. So I I, I thank y'all. I swear I thank y'all. I thank y'all so much. I appreciate you, Michael, for stepping back in. Pastor Anthony for stepping in. Pastor Jacob for being here with us always. Ebony and Mama Lynn. And everybody else that came into the room. I appreciate you guys so, so very, very much. But without any further delay, um, yeah, I think it's time for us to close on off of here. I'm at the church right now, getting ready to start working um, because I'm going to call off tomorrow because I got some things to do. So I'm going to try to do some extra stuff today so I can get everything done with. But I'm praying for you guys. I hope you guys have a peaceful, prosperous, and a productive day. And I pray that you guys will join me again tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. for Waking Up with the Prophet. This room is ending in three, two, one. Bye.